Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Every time a person comes out of a school, I say a high school, the way I see it, according to logic, you should be able to say, I am a, and fill in two blanks. Rather than just walk up somewhere and say, y'all have some jobs? Because that's what I did when I got out of high school. I went to Chicago. And I just walked up. I said, this is the employment office? Yes. Say, well, y'all give our jobs here? Yes. I said, well, I'm looking for a job. Black people all over the planet do that. Yeah, that's it. I'm looking for a job doing what? Mm, something. What do you got? Really? That's the, I, was, I did that myself. Why? And it wasn't my fault. Because that's all that I was taught to do. Didn't even know what I was going to be doing. Okay? Hadn't been taught to do anything. I couldn't walk in and say... Uh, I'm looking for a job. Uh, I'm a master electrical engineer. Now, do you all have any openings for a master electrical engineer? Complete with all administrative capacities? Because I'm qualified. See, that's the way every black person on the planet is supposed to be able to do when you get out of high school, really. Rather than just say, I'm looking for a job. A job doing what? I don't know. I just want to have to find out what's out here. You know, what's out where? You know, really, this is why a lot of us back in the 1940s became professional students. Yeah, we never wanted to get out of school because at least that was predictable. But to come out of school and go and just look around in this big wide world and not even be able to figure out what are people doing in the world. 
You know? Can, 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 do I fit anywhere? I think a lot of us have asked these questions. Where, where do I fit in? Where is my place? What have I been prepared for? The answer was zero. Now, I want to talk about some fundamentals here, too, dealing with that. Uh, what is a white supremacist? In other words, how do you know that a white person is a white supremacist? Got three categories here. Okay. Do you ever call a white person a white supremacist without the white person saying that he or she is? Why? You can't prove it. Yeah, remember that. There's no way to prove it because you have to prove it by a white person. A black person cannot prove that a white person is a white supremacist. If you don't believe it, try it. Try it on the job. They will admit to a discriminatory atmosphere. That's when they'll pay you off. They won't name anybody. They paid you off because you made so much noise, and they want to pay you off and get you out of here before you contaminate the rest of the black people, having them filing suits too, okay? But they just about got that suit thing all figured out. They got that computerized. Every so many years, they will pay off Ralph Jones Black for being discriminated against. Give him his $40,000 and walk him. Now, it'll be another eight years before they pick another one. They got this computerized. And the way they'll do it is just keep you running around in a circle with your little suits. You'll just be filing and filing and filing. bring, let's say, uh, what is it, the, the federal people in, if they, they found no, no basis of suit, you can't sue them uh, even in a private court. So ha they have the system locked down anyway. Oh, yeah, the whole, whole idea is to keep giving you the runaround. If you ever tried it, you've got the runaround. The runner, you get an excellent runaround, all with smiles, too. Well, we're working on it. You check back with us any day now, you know, 18 years have gone by. Right. And you still have it in the hopper. See, and that is going to be a wave of the future. Because they decided some time ago, maybe about 10 or 15 years, that they weren't going to, you know, keep paying out this money. All right. They just ain't going to do it. But in order to look like they're doing something, they're going to pay off every now and then, and then they're going to blow that up in the news. Big settlement for 18 people at such and such a chemical company. And have those black people run out there and do what they call showcasing. This term that I'm using, racial showcasing. We've mentioned racial profiling. There's going to be a lot of racial showcasing. That's going to be genuine. Not from suits, but from actual black people making money. And you should try to be one of them. When I was coming along, all they really needed to get by in the showcase field was... Louis Armstrong, Lena Horne, Joe Louis. Yeah. And that would carry it. In other words, anytime somebody started talking about black people not making progress, good old Joe, Lena Horne, let us sing a couple of songs, right? That was it. And maybe Satchmo Armstrong. 
All right. And hey, you know, y'all got three or four. <laughs> hey, how many do you want? What do you people want? You know, look, we put them in the magazine. But after the 1960s, they began to see with all the upheavals, including in Africa, I mean, people rising out of nowhere like Mandela, Nkrumah, the whole works, they knew they couldn't keep going that way. So somewhere in the 1980s, I think, that the white supremacists who are really looking 500 years ahead figured it out, we're going to have to have not a handful of showcase black people. We're going to have to have actually worldwide millions. So just as a ballpark idea, I came up with, I would figure two million should do it. Now, so it's more than two million black people on this planet. But planet-wise, with communications and all like that being what it is, they could get by with two million. I think, you know, I'm just saying, it might be three or four million, but about two million. How many black people do you know right now? If you name everybody you've ever seen in Ebony Magazine or Jet or Essence, and the black people that you know personally, and the black people you've seen on the stage, and the black people that you work with, who have what you call positions. If you name them all, it would probably come to less than, you know, I'd say a couple of thousand. If you just sat here, right, I mean, each one of us as individuals, just sat here and say now, you know, hey, there's, uh, there's you know, there's uh, Halle Berry, there's uh, Martin Luther King, there's Malcolm X, and just go through. Everybody that you can think of, Dorothy Height, you'd probably come up with about 2,000 names, and then you'd be grasping for names, correct? So watch this. If they put 2 million black people out here, all of them with what you call fabulous cribs, you know, got three swimming pools, swimming pool on every floor, you know, right, in a four-story mansion, okay, got three or four white gardeners out there, keeping everything trim, okay. Now, that looks like a lot. If you've got about two million black people worldwide, and they keep showing it in the magazines and on television, walk you through it every week, you'll say the race problem is over. But for the investment that they are getting, it's cheap. It's super cheap. Because when you look at the hundreds of millions of black people on this planet that don't have shoes, that are dying of AIDS, all right, that are dying of Ebola, that don't have a biscuit to eat in a whole week, it doesn't compare. But this is what they are planning to do. They are planning to showcase so many black people, no black person will be able to step forward and say, you know, black people are bad off. And they'll say, what do you mean? And try to get you to name just a fraction of that two million black people who have over a million dollars. Okay, and you wouldn't be able to do it. And they'll say, see, you're just making a lot of ruckus about nothing. You better get off, get out here and try to make it for yourself. Like the other uh, hardworking, illustrious, forward-thinking black people. All right. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's day, Thursday, February 15th, 
2018. So I have been told we are back. Our weekly forum, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Uh, It's been two months. Actually, I think it's been a little over two months since our last workplace racism broadcast. Uh, I think this program, this specific segment on workplace racism, I think uh, is extremely important, uh, regardless of whether the subject matter is being discussed on the cow specifically or wherever else on whatever other platform or however it's being addressed uh, is extremely important. Uh, I think black people, non-white people all over the world who are subject to racist man, racist woman, racist child, uh, have all sorts of difficulties on the job, even if they are self-employed, quote unquote, uh, have all sorts of tribulations and conflict on the job worldwide. uh, And there just doesn't seem to be enough focus and particularly coming up with problem solving techniques, uh, things that can be done that will solve problems without creating new problems. This here broadcast, uh, anybody, if you have figured out strategies, counter-racist techniques that work on the job, uh, either preemptive things, things that you can do that will stop problems from happening before they even erupt, or these are things that you can do to respond once an issue has happened, you should be one of the first to dial in the number 641-715-3600. Four zero, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Certainly, any non-white people, particularly black people, if you have any sort of problems or issues that are happening on the job, uh, and you would like suggestions, counter-racist suggestions uh, from myself or any of the other listeners. Feel free. Dial in the number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. That said, I was a little bummed uh, with the absence, uh, my residence being flooded and all. Uh, I was not able to hear what has transpired, what people have been dealing with on the job for the last uh, couple of months. Uh, We missed all of the Christmas parties and and all that. We normally, for workplace racism, I think for a while now, we have had very interesting uh, commentary uh, in terms of either whites getting drunk or uh, them trying to strong arm uh, non-white people into participating in these holiday parties and gift giving and all that nonsense. We missed all of that. If if anything uh, noteworthy happened, uh, if you had an opportunity to practice your workplace codification uh, over the holidays or, you know, the subsequent weeks, uh, feel free to share. You can catch us up on what's happened. Uh, hopefully you took Greek notes documenting so you don't have to rely on memory. This is another example of why I say documentation is important. You don't want to have to rely on memory because uh, this will happen in the job. Sometimes you might have to testify about a situation that happened in December. Now it's February. I don't know about you, but sometimes your memory does air. That's it. Uh, if you 
are listening and you want to participate, great. Remind folks, this is not a spectator broadcast. Uh, this program, active participation. If you are a non-white person, I'm pretty sure, unless you're very young and you have some sort, if you have a work history at all, racism, white supremacy has been a problem, might be a problem right now with things that you experienced on the job today, this Thursday. Uh, feel free to chime in if you're having problems. Great. Uh, if you figured out some codification, great. Uh, and even reflecting on your work history can be important because I think sometimes looking back, as we get a better understanding of what racism is and how it works, sometimes we can look back at situations and say, oh man, I, di I didn't think that white supremacy racism was being practiced there, but that's what it was. This is how I functioned. This is how I behaved then. This is what I would do now with my understanding of counter-racism. I think that can be helpful uh, as well. Uh, you can always email if you're not able to participate via phone for the broadcast and you either have commentary, suggestions, a problem that you want to share and get input on, you can drop an email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. And I'll read your commentary uh, on the air and we will get responses. Uh, we had a few people who wrote in already. And I think for this year broadcast, uh, we should have uh, the founder of the Counter Racism Radio Network, Mr. Edward Williams. He's been a guest on the program repeatedly. He's also uh, written about this subject matter, how to support and defend the United States Constitution for victims of racism, white supremacy. Uh, lots of great suggestions uh, about workplace racism. We've talked about that text and had him on the broadcast many times. He should be hanging out with us. Maybe he can give a suggestion or two as well. Uh, we had people who wrote in over the interim, so I'm trying to go back and catch up uh, with things people have shared. First person uh, wrote in, black female. I have to deal with white folks bringing their dogs to the workplace. I work at a law firm. I do not like dogs. Woo! I am in love uh, and I do not want them around me. When the dogs come to the workplace, they generally head straight to my desk. I have complained to HR telling her that I scorn dogs, which I do. She said she would speak to the dog owner. The dogs stopped coming to the office for about five weeks. Then for the last two days, another white person brought her dog to work and I overheard her telling another white person that she is training him to be the office dog. I'm planning to go back to HR and I am planning to go to my family doctor and get a note saying that I am allergic to dogs and see if that will work. All the non-white people I work with simply adore the dogs, so I am the odd one. Man, uh, I would check the manual. You may have al already done this. I would check the manual to see if it has any policy about bringing animals of any sort uh, to the workplace. Uh, I have not ever in life. Let me think about that for a second. I was going to say I've never worked in a work environment where that sort of thing was permitted, uh, being allowed to bring animals uh, of any sort into the workspace. Um yeah, I'm reflecting. I'll if I if I can think of an exception, I will share as we roll. But I've that's never been an issue for me. Uh, but I think the doctor's note, brilliant, 
brilliant because that if you just have one person who raises a health concern, a legitimate valid in writing from a physician saying, oh, yes, this person, you know, suffers from allergies to canines. That might be enough to, oh, yeah, we can't have, you know, any dogs here. We don't want any lawsuit. This is a law firm. And I mean, even just that alone, I, I generally think of law firms as being places where it's very serious. This is not like a casual, you know, people are wearing uh, sandals uh, and shorts uh, and just hanging out on the job. But maybe I'm in error. <laughs> maybe I just haven't been to enough law firms, but I'm a little surprised that that would be tolerated bringing lots of mutts uh, into a law office. Uh, I think you would have lots of documents and things that are important. You might not want, you know, mangy beasts roaming the premises and, and all of that. But I think that's great what you suggested in terms of just getting the doctor's note. You go back to HR. Uh, I think this should be uh, addressed. You know, are we what is the policy on having animals uh, in the workplace? And see what they say from there, especially with the with the doctors, know because there might even be other people uh, who have allergies uh, to the dog. Next, if we have any folks who have suggestions, as always, uh, suggestions on how they would deal with that. If this is a problem you've addressed before, feel free to share. Uh, try and share some of the other commentary that people have written in. Uh, this is also uh, black female. Uh, okay, uh, I wrote. In before, uh, this is Triple C, Central Coast, California victim. I quit my job as a server bartender nearly a month ago, and now they are asking me for statements about a wedding that went wrong, and I feel it's inappropriate because I don't work for them anymore. This is the same non-white Hispanic bride that my boss was telling her entire staff of white women and me, the only non-white staff member, that she didn't have enough funds to pay for everything in her wedding. The bride was telling the truth about us dancing. However, she and her guests were encouraging it. Also, I specifically remember the burgers running out very early upon opening the buffet line. I did not see anyone refuse to serve food when it was getting low. I think that's completely fabricated. I ate the nastiest cold pizza I ever had, but I believe my white women co-workers did manage to save themselves a plate of the good stuff, but I can't say with certainty. My question is, because I no longer work for them, should I just ignore it or should I get involved? And if I get involved, should I tell the whole truth or side completely with the non-white Hispanic female so she doesn't have to pay my suspected racist boss? I would love to see her get away with not paying. My boss was definitely flirting with a Hispanic male after I recorded a video of them dancing together. I think I may still have the video. After that, my boss was sitting down with a non-white Hispanic wedding guest at the table and they were conversing for a while. So far, I have only agreed to calling my boss's assistant back on behalf of this matter. I need to make a decision fast. Fast. Uh, I guess my thoughts on this, she goes to give a little more detail about what they're asking, some of the dispute. Uh, some of this seems like, you know, it would kind of be up to you. Uh, I don't know. I guess if it's if it's a non-white person, I don't generally use the term Hispanic uh, because I've seen where that can cause confusion. Uh, I try to be explicit about whether or not the person is white. Yes, no. Uh, so uh, if this is a non-white person that's having 
some sort of uh, contest or dispute about the, the wedding and the catering that was provided and if you're getting involved with this on her behalf, uh, if that's, you know, motivation enough, I reckon if I was going to get involved, uh, I would aim to tell the truth. I wouldn't want to get involved and then uh, put myself in a position of making up things where I could get in trouble and that sort of thing like that just seems like a bit much. Uh, if I felt like I can get it, if I could get involved and test, testify truthfully in a manner to support uh, the victim of racism, white supremacy, great. But if I'm going to have to get involved with a company that I no longer uh, am employed with, uh, we've severed ties, uh, I would prefer to just let that go. Um, yeah, that just seems like, you know, a bit much. Uh, I would prefer to just move forward. It doesn't seem like anybody would have any leverage uh, to make you uh, participate in this matter. You know, hey, moving on, you all can settle that uh, amongst yourselves. Uh, but again, this will come down to just if you want to be involved or not, how much you, you want to help out. Uh, see, I'll try to read uh, one more and then we can get to the callers. Uh, this person, black female. 26-year-old black British female living in the UK. I have experienced racism in the workplace, which has affected my mental health. Most of the management are white and Asian. Upon beginning my job, I was informed that I'll be given a probationary period of six months. The man who directly supervised me was an Asian male, and he reported that I was inexperienced and that I am unfit to pass my probationary period. In my meetings with him, I informed him that I am struggling with the workload, but I'm willing to improve and that I don't mind having further training. Management did not consider the fact that I was struggling with the caseload and that they should take it easy on me in order for me to improve. After our meeting, he informed me that I have admitted that I am an inexperienced worker and he shared this information with senior management who then came to the conclusion that I lied on my CV about my experience and therefore I have not passed my trial period at the job. I have since resigned from the job as I didn't want this incident to affect my future job prospects. This experience has worsened my mood disorder. I suffer from insomnia. I feel paranoid and very depressed. Uh, I'm extremely saddened uh, to hear the support. Black female, uh, other side of the world uh, from Britain. Uh, situations where if you've already uh, left the job, like the situation where the previous caller wrote in, where she's already left the job. Some of those, it can be uh, much more difficult to do anything about if you've already left the position. Uh, this doesn't seem like something where you would be trying to pursue going back. Uh, with this, I think with these situations, you heal. Uh, it sounds like mental health would be priority one from this situation. Uh, if you're not sleeping, feeling paranoid, depressed, uh, I would do everything possible with regards to self-care, uh, dealing with that. And once you can kind of get some some balance, and I mean, the I don't know what type of uh, situation that you're in, if if resigning from this job is immediate financial strain and you're just, you know, struggling, trying to, to figure out, you know, where you're going to get your next source of employment from or what the situation is. But I would really put a premium uh, on self-care because I think a lot of black people uh, in these type of situations where you end up leaving a work situation abruptly before you plan to, uh, it can be 
so jarring uh, and exactly the symptoms that she reported. It's like PTSD. Uh, it can be so traumatizing uh, for a lot of black people that uh, it can take a while to recover. It can end up having a substantial impact on our mental health for a period of time. Uh, so just respecting the fact that this has been a traumatic episode, uh, processing it, I think that can be helpful. Processing uh, what happened with the situation uh, in terms of uh, what what led to this now if there if it's a words thing that's why we talk about on this program the importance of words what was said what wasn't said really processing thinking about that and that can be so difficult that's why i said i would make self-care priority one uh so that you can start feeling a little better so it's not such a, a painful thing to try to review and think about you know how this situation uh, evolved to this point, uh, but really thinking about what we say. Uh, I think asking for training is great. We've talked about that before with Mr. Williams. We've talked about that for years on this program. Uh, in work situations, if you're having difficulty requesting training, uh, how often non-white people are not trained adequately on the job, that is substantially different than saying I'm inexperienced. Uh, that's the sort of thing uh, that, hey, Having a record and knowing, hey, that sometimes or often words are changed. Uh, they will attribute remarks to you that you didn't say. It may have even been that you didn't say you're inexperienced. It may have just been that you said, hey, I'm having a difficult time with the workload. I would like more training so that I can be a polished, efficient employee. It may have been that you never even used the term inexperienced that they, you know, concocted this. Oh, yeah, you you admitted uh, to being inexperienced and you lied on your resume and, you know, all this other to to put you to coerce you into a situation where you resigned your your post. But self-care would be primary. Self-care would be primary. Uh, invest as much as you can uh, in trying to get your sleep back when you're not resting well. That has such a, a devastating impact on your quality of life, your ability to think I've been there uh, when you're traumatized and not able uh, to sleep. Really, I, in my view, try to focus as much as you can on that uh, and then processing what happened uh, on the job and applying, you know, lessons moving forward in the workplace. Because in, in this situation, if you've already left the post, that seems like you're probably going to have limited options uh, in, in terms of moving forward. Uh, again, if other folks, uh, if you all have suggestions, views uh, on what I've read thus far from folks who wrote in. Grand. Uh, love to hear them. Uh, if you have your own situation you'd like to address, awesome. Uh, I'll give out the number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate, uh, be on the lookout again, as I said, Mr. Uh, Edward Williams, founder of counter-racism.com uh, should be hanging out with us as well. Maybe he'll share uh, a view or two on some of the situations that we heard uh, or what other folks have to share this evening. Uh, if you dialed in with a hand up, line should be open. Uh, feel free to proceed. Good evening, Gus. Can you hear me? Greetings, Thomas in New York. Yes, sir. Oh, great greetings, man. I have some um, workplace racism to unload on you. However, I did have a dog situation before, um, not in that capacity. Uh, it was a client at a law firm I worked at, and um, he had a C&I dog. So um, generally, he could get to the office, 
but somehow they needed me to bring him down to the train station. And once I got him on the train station, um, you know, got him on the train, he was, his dog would be able to get him home. However, um, you know, they had a, a Metro card and everything allocated for me to get, escort this man downstairs, but he was a, a big client of theirs. So they, I guess they wanted to appease him. Um, but worse than dogs at workplaces when people bring their kids and, um, I've had several jobs where people brought kids to work and somehow I got stuck with them. And I mean, it was just terrible. Um, white kids, of course. Um, I do have some workplace racism to unload. Um, I, of course, um, as you know, I was, uh, I, I was working at the hospital. However, I was, um, fired from the hospital, um, which was cool. I had, um, found another job. And um, I, I was kind of torn between whether I was going to keep both because, uh, of course, at the hospital I was overnight and it's in New Jersey and my other job is in New York. And so um, it was definitely a situation where the job I found was going to be, you know, my main source of income. The hospital would be a secondary source of income. And also um, I found out that my, my mother was moving from New Jersey um, to Florida. So that outlet of being able to get to her house and get some rest before, you know, I get to the hospital and things was, was, was fading away. So it was something that probably wasn't going to work out anyway, but, uh, I felt like I was fired unjustly. Um, I was, um, taken, um, well, well, every other holiday we get off, you notice in that ranch. And, um, like I said, I had uh, got a new job. So I was starting this job the day after Martin Luther King's day. And that was like, this is perfect because, you know, I, I'm, I'll be on, you know, get that day off um, from the hospital because I worked the last holiday. And um, the day after that is my natural day off. So I would be able to um, get a full night's rest before I started this job. And then um, that night I would be able to come home and get some sleep before I went back in for the second day and um, started the cycle of working both jobs. Um but um, two days before the holiday, I come into the office and they have me on the list. My name wasn't there because, of course, it was my day off. But um, someone had um, got, got another job, so they put me on to work the holiday. So um, I, you know, of course, called, got the union rep and we went into the office. And um, she, the, the boss pretty much told us that... Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, she, she's shorthanded and um, she needs me to work. And, um, you know, the union rep said, well, you know, according to the contract, he's supposed to get every other holiday off. And um, also, if you are shorthanded, you're supposed to bring in an outside company to cover those spots like you normally do. And her um, defense to that was it would cost too much because it's the holiday She'll have to pay that other outside company double for each person she brings in, and she's not doing it. So I made it very clear to her that, well, you know, I'm, I didn't tell her I had another job or anything. I just told her, listen, I'm, I, that's my day off. I have plans. I made plans in advance. Um, and, you know, we knew, the, we knew the, the holiday schedule at the beginning of the, the year. It's been the same since I started. Every other holiday I get off, that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, and she said, all right, we'll do what you want to do. So, you know, I, that day I didn't come in and, um, the next day I had off and I worked that Wednesday 
that Thursday and then that Friday I came in and um she told me that my services was no longer needed. Um, so which was cool. I was already dressed up to go to my other job, so I said, All right. Um but I felt like uh, what was what was wrong was um based off the, the contract I, I, I was have with the union, I'm supposed to be written up and then suspended and then fired. I was neither not written up nor suspended and um I just felt like um, this was just, you know, just, you know, tacking this all the way around. And on top of that, um, I'm supposed to get paid my vacation and sick days and everything like anyone else. But they they told me that they're not paying me until I return um, my uniforms. So, you know, I got up all my uniforms. I got them to the hospital. um, And um, then they said, oh, no, you can't get paid until you return the keys. So I'm like, man, I left the keys, you know, in the locker when I left. They said, oh, it wasn't there, so we're not paying you. So now I'm stuck in this situation trying to get my, my last check and everything. Uh, as per the new job, I have more workplace racism that happened um, at the hospital, but I'll, you know, hold off on that. I mean, real, you know, racist stuff. Um, but black people doing it to black people, but just being allowed to. Um uh, but, um, to, you know, just, just to give you a, a gist of my new job, I work at an accounting firm, so I'm back in the office setting where I feel, you know, more comfortable. I don't have to see um, trauma, and um, I'm like, well, I don't have to deal with any mental illness. Um, but <laughs> um, I, I go, one of my jobs is uh, this office wants to have, they're promoting a, ha- a healthy workplace, so um, they want me to go to a fruit stand, um, a, a local fruit stand, and buy $60 worth of fruit. Um, and the guy who did the job before me, he got promoted. So, of course, you know, when he trained me, he took me out there to the fruit stand and told me exactly, you know, what to buy and how, you know, and, and you know, form a relationship with the guy um, that, that does it and everything. So that's what I've been doing. Um, the only thing is I, I'm in a small kitchen cutting this fruit up and stuff, but you know, hey, it's a job. That's what they told me before I started. So it is what it is. But today I go to the fruit stand, and um, you know, I started by grabbing a cantaloupe. You know, and right right in front of the fruit stand is a building, and it has like a stoop that's short enough for if you wanted to, you could sit on. Um, so right there is where I put all the food out, so the guy could add it up for me. This is how I was trained to do it. So that's what I do. I uh, put the cantaloupe on the the um the little stoop. And uh, I, I went behind the fruit um, stand to get two pineapples, which is normally, you know, the routine. And when I came back, I'm looking, I'm like, where'd the cantaloupe go? And then I see this white guy walking away with the cantaloupe. You know, he was stealing it. He didn't pay for it or nothing, you know. So I'm like, you know, I picked that cantaloupe because it was the biggest one, you know. So I'm like, yo, bring that back, man. Where you going with my cantaloupe? So he's, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm homeless. Um, can you please spare a couple of dollars for me? So I'm looking, and I say, oh, this dude is white. So I'm like, no, put my cantaloupe down. So he put the cantaloupe down, and out of the blue, this um, black homeless guy just walks up and punches this guy in the face, and he falls to the ground. And um, he's like, yo, why you messing with my brother? You know what I'm saying? This dude gave me $2 one day. I told him I got his back. So I'm like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, wait, calm down. I'm like, you just punched a white man in broad daylight. I'm on Second Avenue and fifth, um, uh, right across from the, right around the corner from the UN. And I'm like, whoa, 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 relax. So now I have to get into my um, 
dealing with the with the um, mentally ill people at the hospital. I calm this guy down. I get him to sit down. You know, I give him an apple. You know, I gave him a dollar. You know, but you know, he, you know, I stomp him out for you. And nah, I don't do that. Just sit down, please. Um, but either way, my first day at this new job, they walking me around the office, and I'm gonna leave it at this, Gus. Uh, and um, they introducing me to everyone. So they, um, there's a, um, I'm, it's only me and another black lady who's the receptionist. Everyone else is white, um, Jewish for the most part. However, um, they do have a few Asians that work there. So one girl, I could tell she's Japanese just by looking at her. She's not Chinese, she's Korean. And um, they said, oh, we want you to meet Ninja. And I said, what? They said, oh, well, we just call her Ninja because we can't pronounce her name. So... <laughs> I'm like, I'm not calling this lady Ninja, okay? So I go over there, and um, I look at her, her, you know, on this desk. It has, you know, on the side, it has her name. So when I'm walking around by myself, I, I look at it, and it's N. I mean, her name is like I-N-J-I-A. I, so I said, oh, how do you pronounce your name? She's like, Ninja. I said, no problem. That's what I'm going to call you. Um, so I just felt like that was racist. Um, and I have more to add on that job, but, um, I think you could take him a call, Gus. I know a lot of people want to unload as well. Appreciate that, Thomas in New York. Um, Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, I definitely have stuff to say too. Um, this is red in Nevada and, um, Actually, I'm very glad that Thomas went first because I've actually been thinking about him because on my, I actually have a new job. And um, the first thing, uh, with the last story about the 26-year-old female, I can definitely understand what she's going through, having to have dealt with uh, mental issues in my past. And um, just one of the things that helped me out, especially when it came to just the the racism that I dealt with in my previous jobs is um, just going to the gym. If you can't go to the gym, um, just trying to get some type of exercise that definitely got my mind off of, um, you know, being depressed or or anxious. And that also helped with my anxiety. insomnia because it did actually you know since I'm tired from working out or whatever it you know I I was able to get a lot better sleep and then um, I have like some essential oils um, lab I have a one essential oil which is lavender and um, you know just smelling that having like an oil burner um, that also it's kind of like soothing to me so I'm not sure if you know if she has allergies or whatever may want to check with like a a medical practitioner um, first but that that's helped me out um, with my with my workplace racism. Um, the first thing that I wanted to um, comment on, it almost seems as if this job kind of um, um, inadvertently makes you um, codified. I say that because on our first on my first day of orientation, um, they had said that if there are two or more people, two or more co-workers gathered outside of work, outside of, um, you know, work hours, nothing to do with the job, um, that is still considered a work event. And if someone feels like they are being harassed, um, so if go out with a group of people drinking, if one person feels like they're being harassed by another co-worker, they can then bring that into the job and you know, um, there could be potential um Um, disciplinary action taken so I'm like I have never in my life heard of anything like that 
So that definitely helped me out to, you know, that, that nips it in the bud should somebody want to um, invite me out anywhere. There, there's, if everybody is told that on the orientation day, then there should be no need for anybody to ask, you know, what they want to do outside of work. Um, I'll just go with what happened today because I had a lot of notes from um, orientation, which was earlier this week. The reason why I was thinking about Thomas was uh, because on um, BTR Community, he had posted some videos about um, this company. I think it's Boston Electronics or something like that. And they actually, that actually came up um, during um, the training today. And it, the thing that I hate about the training is that there are so many different um, icebreakers that you have to go through. And I feel like I'm, I'm basically trying to make myself the experiment for, um, you know, workplace racism, because I'm approaching this job completely different from any other job and definitely make sure that I'm going to give um, the weekly updates. But uh, the, the, the codification that I'm going through is even with the icebreakers, just basically making up something very, very superficial and not having like this long winded story, which I'm seeing that most of the people within the, within the group do, they have a long, a, a real long backstory when it comes to, well, what's your favorite book? Okay. Well, this is my favorite book. And this is the reason why just ridiculous stuff. So, um, but for, um, and with the demographics of the class, it's like 95% female, um, uh, about a little bit over half are white women. Um, I, I guess that most of them will be classified as white women. There are at least two that are quote unquote Hispanic. People might speak Spanish. Um, and, but I still feel like they would probably classify themselves as white. Uh, then the, the other, the rest are um, black. There's only two black males. Um, so when it came to the, the, the talk today about the, the electronics and for no reason we should be talking about this, our job has nothing to do with the electronics, but of course we keep getting off task. Um, the trainer is also, a, a black female and they were talking about, you know, how scary that is. And oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention one thing. There is a, and I don't know what this person classifies themselves as or identifies as because that's the new thing but it's it seems like it's a white female but it dresses like a male but they end up they what they went from talking about the electronics now I just observe I almost feel like I'm somewhat of like a spy I just constantly observe and whenever I get the chance I just take notes and don't add to these conversations but they went from talking about the the robots to the Tesla car up in space. And then they talked about the opioid epidemic. And I, it, it, I had to bite my tongue not to, you know, include myself in the, in the conversation. But the one thing that I, I did like about the trainer, cause I, I, I didn't really feel like she was all that codified until she had kind of briefly spoke about it. She was like, you know, and I don't quite understand how, you know, with some people um, they're classified with, if they have a, a drug issue they they need all this different help and you know we need to get them treatment but with other people you need to put them in jail and she said it exactly like that man and, and the the trans the trans person 
you know, she also had to, you know, comment. And he was like, yeah, I, I understand, you know, with some people, they, they'll call them ruffians and the other people, you know, they need help. So she was the one who kind of added that some type of, you know, derogatory term. The last thing, if, if I can um, just uh, say, I'm also having this issue with this, this other, this white woman. She had to move her seat closer to me. Now, with everybody, with most of the people in the class, I don't say anything to them. But with this particular white person or this white woman, she's one of those types to where she likes to speak loud enough to try to entice people to um, enter in a conversation with her. She's really long-winded, and I never do that. I also even have my back turned to her just to let her know, even body language, I don't want to talk to you. That doesn't matter. She will still come up to me. She also was asking me about, like, my notes, and then she was also looking on my screen to make sure that she was in the right area. So, I mean, it's not so much of a – I feel like I'm not um, really complaining about it, but I just wanted, you know, to let everybody know what's happening. Um, thank you for allowing me to share. Appreciate that, Red, in Nevada. Uh, I think it might be helpful for folks if you're in a work environment – uh, anything that might cause some moments where it might be good to have given some thought to what you want to say. If there's someone who identifies as being what they call transgender, might be good to think about that in advance. In case that topic comes up, someone asks you a question on the subject matter to think in advance about what you want to say, because I could easily see that being one uh, where a lot of black people in particular uh end up getting in some sort of trouble uh, because of something they said. And much like the situation with the black female in Britain, you might not even say anything uh, where you are trying to malign someone because they are quote unquote transgender. Uh, it could be misconstrued or they could again, attribute comments to you that you didn't even say uh, just, you know, kind of loosely associated with something that you said. It's, oh yeah, he was talking trash about, you know, whoever the person is and all this and making a big to do about it. Even if it's not related to the transgender issue, thinking about what you want to say uh, so that you don't have to be caught on the spot and you can condense. We've talked about that before so that you're not just talking and talking and talking and sharing every shred of detail about you and what you're doing and your family and your life history and what your favorite books are and all these other questions so that you're not doing that uh, on the job. We're here to work, not to tell your whole life story, not to participate in a whole lot of gossip. Uh, and particularly if there are uh, racists, white supremacists on the job, uh, you could just be giving them additional information that will be used to further mistreat you. So I think that is awesome. Uh, if folks have any recommendations about uh, if it's a, a white person that wants to get really close to you uh, in a workplace setting, how you can get them up off you or get a little space, that would be grand as well. Uh, if we have uh, suggestions for the folks who uh, wrote in, as I mentioned, the black female uh, in Britain who said she had to, to leave her job uh, after they accused her of saying that she was uh, inexperienced, uh, the dog situation, uh, having someone in a law firm where uh, white people are bringing dogs into the work place, uh, how you get this stopped, maybe get a policy uh, instituted so this can be resolved permanently. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, if we haven't heard from you, line should be open. If you have commentary on uh, what's been presented, feel free. If you have your own situation uh, you'd like to share, that is fine as well. Can I be heard? 
Greetings, retired firefighter. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Uh, before I forget, I'll speak. Uh, I, I'll speak directly to uh, Miss Red. By uh, I would suggest uh, to her with this white female, or you know, it could be anybody else also uh, that uh, in a similar situation to speak directly to that person immediately as soon as possible about what your desires are. Uh, hey. Uh, you have an offensive smell about you, uh, and I would rather that you would not uh, uh, get uh, too close to me. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. Whatever the situation is, speak directly to it. And uh, in most cases, that person would get it, unless there's something very, very, very wrong with them mentally. Uh, you know, speak directly to it. Uh, that's what I have done, and uh, uh, and I never had any significant problems out of that uh, that type of approach. Uh, along with what I uh, my thoughts are, uh, I of course I, I like to hear uh, Mr. Fuller at the beginning of the program uh, because he's very practical in his approach to just about everything. Uh, and when I heard him speaking, uh, it sounds like it could be a message to young people who are just getting started, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I can recall uh, years ago when I first started into uh, the quote-unquote workplace, uh, there it's always is a means that uh, white people can harm you. Uh, that's, I mean, that's that just paramount to the global system of racist white supremacy that they're going to harm non-white people. But in the meantime, you can, as a victim of racist white supremacy, you can uh, apply different tactics and strategies and measures to yourself to make it a little tougher for that harm can be coming to you on a on a off time basis or you know or, or things of that nature such as uh plotting and planning as he mentioned before as far as uh particular job situations on on how close in proximity you would be to that job and whether or not it'd be feasible for you to take that job, uh, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And also when you factor it in, factor in the idea about transportation, if it broke, broke break down, what are my options on what I can do in order to guarantee or make sure that I get to that job on time and be consistent about it. Uh, I would say that uh, part of the reason that helped me through about 28, 29 years on the job was to have that as a habit, as a habit uh, to very seldom was I late for work. Uh, and there was a stipulation with the fire department that uh, you can call the person that you would be relieving and ask them to, you know, hang out for a little while until you get there. In most cases, with somebody that uh, 
that I uh, had some sort of constructive relationship with, even even if it was a white person, they have an understanding that I may be that person that that uh, they may be calling at the same time. So for the most part, it would it work out that way. For the most part, I, I wouldn't necessarily use because I'd be on time anyway. Uh, one thing I learned as a student athlete in college, uh, the college my college coach, uh, when we first showed up, uh, he mentioned about, okay, well, set your watches back about 30 minutes, some 30 minutes, almost to 45 minutes. And that's the time you go by. Uh, and and uh, so you always was either on time or early. And I've always used that 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 uh, particular uh, means, uh, even when I started uh, working on a on a uh, on a job. And it, it helps it helps out quite immensely. Uh, now, when it comes to income, uh, one mistake I see a lot of young people uh, do is go beyond their means, uh, take care of more of their wants as opposed to their needs, and uh, which is backwards, and you end up getting yourself in some tremendous debt, and it causes a downfall in other things uh, when it comes to employment to the point where you actually can lose a job uh, by maintaining that kind of uh, inconsistent practices. Uh, so you have, to, you have to establish a foundation uh, as I mentioned before, you can do these things and still get harmed, but it would, uh, by applying those type of good habits, uh, you can make it uh, a little bit more of a task uh, to be harmed uh, on a consistent basis. Because I've, I've seen it uh, to where they would, uh, a non-white black person that would be consistently late to work. They, they would constantly be on that person all the time. Or uh, on my job, if their uniform was, was, uh, looked like it wasn't ironed or, or, or some sort of order coming from the person, that sort of thing, uh, they, they would, you know, give that person, you know, quite a, quite a hard time. And to whereas they know that if they, if that's applied enough that, uh, that person eventually would uh, do something or say something that would make it easy for them to terminate them, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, those, all of those things have to be considered. Even the, the last but not least, the, the last one of the things that Mr. Fuller also stated as a mistake that he uh, was making when he was a young person, it, 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 and I put it in, in the way that I, I look at it, you don't have anything next to your name that you can do. It's your name and it's nothing. I mean, you, you, you're, you're only going to receive on what, what, uh, what you can quote-unquote do. Now, on the job that I was on, they call it certifications. And it just takes some time from, from, from you or I to figure out, okay, what are some of the things that I want to try to uh, apply for uh, to develop some skills? And those skills nowadays, not like it was 40, 50 years ago, where you can some, you can, some uh, the mechanic down the street can teach you how to fix a car, and you didn't have to have anything on paper. But now everything has to be on paper that you're certified to do this and that. And uh, so if you're in grade school, I'm talking to the young younger people. If you're in grade school or something like that, start thinking about that type of uh, those type of things. 
uh, and uh, pursue them and try to develop as many skills as you possibly can. And it would eventually, in time, uh, it'll, it'll make it'll make your path a, a little bit more constructive, a little bit more uh, possible to think that you can you can apply for and uh, uh, get on a job to where you can you know do the best you can to take care of yourself and someone else. And uh, those are some of the things that I think are preventive measures to why this particular program is so important, which is workplace racism. Thank you. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. Uh, number again, 641-715-3640, decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I know we have quite a few folks who endorse a similar strategy that a retired firefighter offered in terms of just being direct uh, with the person. You know, hey, I'd prefer if you give me a little space, whatever the issue is, just talking directly uh, to them to to address the issue. I know we have a number of folks who attempted counter-racist. They they apply the same code uh, in the workplace. I also wanted to make sure I got in uh, kudos, uh, Thomas in New York, uh, for, uh, I think it was a non-white employee there where they were calling the person ninja. That is a code that is used for nigger, uh, by the way. Come across that a few times over the years. We talked about it on the program before. Uh, But kudos uh, for calling the person by their correct name. I think those are just uh, important acts of black self-respect to not because it's so easy, I think, on the job, particularly if you're more confused about racism, white supremacy, to just uh, go with the momentum of those sort of racist acts. Well, everybody here calls this person ninja. So, you know, I'm just doing it to not even thinking about, you know, why am I calling this person this name? What is the person's name? Do they want to be uh, called this? Uh, Just super, super important. I think all of us can be mindful of that. Uh, And that can have a big impact too. Sometimes you never know, because sometimes Often, the non-white person who is the subject of these jokes hates that sort of thing. Uh, Often, they really appreciate having somebody take the time to, what is the correct way to say your name? Okay, that's what I'm going to call you every time and not these other nonsense nicknames. Uh, Let's see. Also wanted to make sure... uh, A little bit of background noise. If you have a hand up, if you could just be mindful to use your mute button if you know you... Uh, have noise in the background, other people watching TV. I know it's, oh, it's not Empire. Whatever the Thursday night watchings are, uh, I don't know if uh, Scandal and and all the other madness is on, but if you got people that are watching that, if you could use your mute button, that would be great. The other thing I was going to say as well, Red in Nevada reminded me, uh, the black female in Britain who was dealing with mental health issues, leaving her job unexpectedly, being accused of being quote-unquote inexperienced. Uh, I think it's important because she also said she was dealing with sleep issues. When you're in those sort of situations, depressed, thinking about the situation, you keep thinking about it, keep thinking about it, kind of you can you can easily end up being in a rut. I think Dr. Welsing, a lot of her patients she dealt with were in a similar situation. One thing that I think can be important Uh, If you can, the exercise that Red talked about, uh, I think if you can do daily exercise in those circumstances, uh, because if you're not working, at least I found this, 
Uh, it almost reminds me a little bit of the flood situation. Uh, when you're in those situations where you have been the victim of something really traumatic, uh, a traumatic injury, not necessarily a physical injury, but I mean, you are suffering this job loss or whatever it is. I think it can be important where you have a routine where you are getting up, going out and doing something, especially if you can go get some exercise too, but you're getting up and going out and doing something daily. Uh, for me, yoga became that, uh, and particularly getting up and going early, uh, going to yoga uh, at 6 a.m., which I did today, uh, doing that uh, almost the entire time uh, that I was dealing with the flood situation. It got me awake early. I got a very early start to the day. I got exercise in. Uh, it just, it had a lot of, in my view, uh, constructive effects. And it totally disrupts that pattern of you just being stuck in the house. Because I think that can happen to a lot of people where you just end up being a hermit and being really sad and down and depressed, paranoid, I think she said in her response. Uh, and just that can be a cycle that lasts for a long time. It can be very difficult uh, to break beyond that. I think if you can get up, you can get out, you can move around, you can get some energy going, get some exercise. I think that can be helpful in kind of helping you recuperate uh, from this to help you heal from all this and then get the energy to move forward, learn uh, from this process and move forward. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary uh, you want to share, uh, line should be open, feel free. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm calling from Milwaukee. I'm a little nervous, so sorry if my voice is shaky. I'm a black female, um, a software developer and a small software firm. And I've been dealing with uh, some racial showcasing at my job. Uh, to give you a little bit of a background, I've been working at my job for about four years. Last year, I was given a, a huge project, which uh, turned out to be a very innovative project, and it was turned in very early um, under my leadership. And as a result, uh, the CEO and the lead architect started keeping an eye on me. Um, and so now it's, it's, it's getting very weird in that they're always keeping an eye on me it's sort of terroristic. Um, it's really nerve-wracking. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I sat in a meeting and literally we were having a team restructuring. Literally everybody's just staring at me, waiting to see uh, how I'm going to respond or how I'm going to react. After the meeting, they were following me to my desk, asking me how I felt. Um, I'm pretty codified anyway, so I don't talk a lot about myself. I don't answer questions about feelings. Uh, generally, I, I, um, if somebody asks me a question about how I feel, I generally answer that with a question. Um, so it's been really weird because they've been really paying a great deal of attention to me. At the same time, I was trying for a promotion, and they denied the promotion, um, due to, I guess they said I didn't have enough uh, billable hours or something like that. And then um, after this team restructuring, my new manager said, well, you know, you're still up for that promotion, um, and it'll happen this quarter, but we need to do a concept of stay interview with you. 
which is basically, I guess, HR wants to know if I'm happy or if I'm if I'm not happy, if I'm going to stay, if I'm not going to stay. Um, so I'm, I'm just really nervous right now because I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know how to deal with this. Um, I've, I've seen an increase of overt racism from some of the white employees at my job. I'm the only black developer at my job, period. Uh, so it's kind of a sort of a mix between, oh, we want this black person at this job, and, and and she does really good work, so we really want to keep this black person at this job. And just, just really creepy. My LinkedIn profile has been looked at um, by, you know, anonym, you know, you can look at LinkedIn profiles anonymously. So my LinkedIn profile has been looked at anonymously. They're always asking me questions. They're always looking around my desk trying to find personal effects, which I don't have, you know, trying to get a little bit more, just a little bit more information so they can do whatever they're going to do to keep me there. Um, so I, I don't know. I said all of that. I'm just really nervous right now. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll mute my line on that one. You said, uh, Greetings, first-time caller. Don't be nervous. We're victims of racism, still learning. Uh, you said it's been an increase in like direct acts of racism. Like, what what specifically have you observed? Uh, so there was this uh, incident where, um, well, first of all, the the architecture position. I mean, the architecture team is like the elite team at the at the job and. This lead architect is is kind of grooming me to push me in that direction, right? And so there was this incident where the head of the engineering department put in his two weeks notice, and then after he put in his two weeks notice, he became like, I mean, he would open like if I was walking up the stairs and I was trying to open the door and he was coming out of the door, he would open it really hard, you know, right in my face. Um, he was very nasty, very rude, um, you know, sort of verbal attacks. Um, from certain people or, or just, just, I don't know, just, just a level of creepiness that's been increased, you know, people just not speaking to you or just insinuating that you don't have the skill set, which I'm, I'm accustomed to, I'm used to, but I think it's very interesting because, um, these things weren't happening before. But all of a sudden now it seems like I'm being put in a place where people want me. And I'm not, I'm not stupid. You know, I know that the only reason why they're putting me there is because I'm black and they just want a black face there, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it seems like there's just, I don't know, these white males at my job, they're just becoming increasingly hostile. Um, and I just, I've just noticed that. I see. Okay. Thank you for the extra detail. Uh, my assessment, I think you, you, uh, your brain computer is, is processing things correctly. Uh, I think in the system of white supremacy, and we talked about this before, you would think all the talk about meritocracy and, you know, work hard and, you know, Negroes are lazy and they just don't want to work hard. You would think that, oh, okay, you know, I just need to go in and work hard and do brilliant work and you know this will be all will be taken care of they'll see how he's not or she's not just you know some shiftless no good lazy nigger she's you know hard worker and doing great that's not what this is about at all uh this is you know 
the system of white supremacy regardless. I think you said you did the project, got it turned in early. Great work. And it's not, oh, right on. This is awesome. It's, wow, who is this Negro? Mm. And lurking around the desk and trying to steal things off the desk. We talked about that before and saying being codified. That's another one. I've said that for years. Don't have anything. You don't want to have personal pictures. Uh, you don't want to leave anything. You don't want your favorite books. Nothing. If you have a workplace journal, you certainly do not that want that uh, left around your desk. Uh, phones, nothing. Uh, because this sort of thing is standard. We've heard this from so many black people uh, down through the years. Whites snooping uh, around your desk area. Same thing we've said before. That's been a pattern throughout the whole uh, broadcast this evening. Uh, gathering intel. Gathering information. That's the way that you should uh, think about it. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, they're not impressed and thinking, oh, wow, this is someone great. What can we learn from her on the job to do better? Uh, you said you're calling us from Wisconsin. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, they're lurking. You know, carve her up. I can't believe she's coming in here and doing great work. Who does she think she is? That's the type of thing. And just recognizing that, I think, number one, which it seems you are, puts you in a better position. I understand the environment that I'm in. Uh, it sounds like you're already doing great work when they come and ask you uh, questions about how you feel and what have you. You already have your code down uh, for how you deflect those questions. Uh, you're not leaving things at your desk being careless. Uh, just understanding uh, I'm working amongst racists, white supremacists. They're not going to be in love with me regardless of what I'm doing. And especially if you're being pushed, if you're being groomed. Uh, for a specific position in, in a powerful uh, position within the company, they're especially going to be resentful uh, about that. So it's no surprise if, if there's been an increase in the kind of rude behavior that you're talking about, them not speaking to you or not opening doors for you and that sort of thing, just being hostile and aggressive uh, in the workplace, probably be a lot more of that. I would document, document, document. Uh, if it's comments and that sort of thing, you can have your recorder, uh, with you that would be great that way you can capture the information if they're just doing other things you can write that that workplace journal I just mentioned you can document and keep note of all of that uh, particularly if it increases uh, because then you'll be able to document and show this is the calendar of it increasing uh, and these uh, antics getting worse it becoming more hostile on the job so I would definitely uh, hope you're you're recording document what's happening Oh, oh yes, I am. And I, you know, it's not just the white males. There are two non-white males at my job. Um, they're non-black. Uh, one is Filipino and the other one is East Indian. And in my opinion, they actually should be on the architecture team, but it appears that they've been practicing racism at my job for a very long time, and they're not being promoted to that team. Uh, the Filipino is, it, I mean, he mentored me when I came in, and he's always been very friendly and always been very helpful. Uh, but the, the Indian guy, he's just really getting, he's getting a little hostile. I don't know if he's hostile, but he's just, it's like he has something to prove. And so he's he's quick to, uh, you know, if I say something, he's quick to either talk over me or he's quick to counter me or contradict me. Um, and that's getting a little annoying, too, <laughs> you know, and I know that they're victims of racism, especially this one. He's, you know, he his parents immigrated here. He grew up in a white area. He's married to a white woman. So he is, uh, he is, he is 
really confused. You know, he's got white friends on the job. He's got kids' pictures up. You know, everybody, everybody loved him, you know, but they don't really, you know. Um, so I know he's very confused, but that's also very frustrating because I can't go to him and say, well, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Um, I can't go to him and say, well, you know, this is the way the system works. And, like, it's the best person that racially showcased is a black just because of the way the system works. I can't say that, you know, and that's kind of frustrating too. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I totally get it. Uh, I would remind folks certainly don't want to be talking about racism, white supremacy on the job. That's my view. I know we've had Mr. Uh, Edward Williams on before and he said, just talk about justice, producing justice, uh, behaving in a just manner. Talk about that. But yeah, not talking about racism on the job, not a surprise, uh, this victim of racism, tragic arrangement. Uh, and he is probably resentful if he's been there, he and this other person, non-white person, if they've been there and they're doing some sort of quality work and they're not getting promoted. Uh, he's probably resentful and angry too uh, about seeing this. Mm. That happens a lot with non-white people uh, in these situations where we get upset. Uh, one victim of white supremacy is getting a few more crumbs, a few more vittles than the other victims of racism. And so we get hostile uh, with that other victim of racism, not the racists who are in charge of all of this. That happens a lot, uh, particularly amongst, you know, people that are confused uh, and, one thing I would say about the interrupting uh, that he's doing, talking over you or, or what have you, uh, I would just incur same thing. I think we heard from retired firefighter about just be direct. Uh, I think sometimes in, in work settings, uh, you just have to, uh, I guess, as they say, colloquially put your foot down uh, to speak up and hang on a second, sir. Uh, you don't have to be nasty about it, but just I'm going to be heard, uh, you know, this is being a pattern to, to make sure that that doesn't just become acceptable, that we can talk over uh, this person, talk over you every time uh, you have a point, even if it's other non-white people uh, that are that doing the interrupting. Uh, just try to nip that in the bud so that doesn't become an acceptable thing in the in the workplace as well. But a lot of that. Oh, and the other the last thing I'll say on this, I think, too, in workplace in the workplace. And really beyond anywhere in the system of racism, white supremacy, when you have a sizable number of white people, they begin to talk bad and, and voice direct, explicit dissent at a specific individual non-white person. Many times the other non-white people in that environment will follow. So if they're talking bad, they see resentment coming at you and they're not opening the door for you and they're being rude to you and that sort of thing, being paranoid about you. I would not be surprised at all if other non-white people also pick up on that and begin doing the same type of thing. I've seen that happen consistently. That is the weight uh, of the system of white supremacy. It has such a huge impact on how we non-white people, how we function. Uh, did other folks have suggestions? What we heard? Any any suggestions or input they wanted to share? Our caller from Wisconsin or the other folks that we heard from thus far? Grand. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, if you have commentary, uh, line should be open. Uh, proceed. Anybody that we missed completely, haven't heard from at all? Hey, guys, can I be heard? I uh, heard two different folks. Hello, sir. Hello? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. I'm just uh, sitting in the background. Um, oh, this is uh, Edward Williams. Uh, listening to some of the commentary, a lot of these situations I've been involved in as well. And uh, as I suspected, many other non-white people are involved in the same situations. But depending on your particular situation, there are things that you can uh, say and do. Uh, I heard a few suggestions that are in line with uh, things that I've done in the past as well. Uh, so I'm just uh, sitting and listening, enjoying the program, uh, listening to some of the problems, to some of the suggestions for resolving the problems, and it's uh, it's great to hear. Good to hear from Mr. Edward Williams, founder of Counter-Racism.com. Always glad to have him on the broadcast. Uh, do you have any any thoughts or suggestions on the dog being brought to the workplace? Uh, well, the first thing that um, that I would suggest is is the person um, check the company policies and things of that nature to uh, make sure that um, that is allowed. That it's not you know a manager here or there that <clears throat> excuse me that says that um, uh, well I'll allow it to happen even though it is forbidden in the company policy. Um, I don't recall uh, what the problem was associated with that, uh, but that can easily be cleared up by going directly to the company policy. I mean, there are things that happen all the time on a daily basis um, that are not associated with company policy. Um, so you can't be uh, ostracized, so to speak, um, by uh, supporting and defending what's written in the company policy. Usually those, those policies are, are written in such a way um, that they almost guarantee that no one will be mistreated. Um, and, and, these kinds of policies have been written this way for decades, um, but we don't, uh, non-white people don't use it as a, a daily practice uh, to even read them, let alone to use them, uh, meaning uh, supporting them. Um, uh, just like any other policy, just like the Constitution as well, you know, written in a way uh, that almost guarantees uh, that no person will be mistreated. Um, and written at a time where non-white people were being mistreated on a mass scale. You see, so the white people who practice racism, white supremacy, don't want to be seen as the mistreaters. You know, I always keep that in mind. They they want to have the power that they have, uh, but they also want to have the glory that goes along with that power. Uh, they want to be glorified uh, in their speech and their action. Uh, so just like uh, at a, you might say, a bird's eye view 
uh, viewing the Constitution in that now, seeing the white people who practice racism and white supremacy as they are, as they function in that manner, you can begin to understand how that rolls down into company policy. They want to be seen the same way. So they write those policies in such a manner that uh, uh, you know, they want to function as the glorified powerful so they 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 have to put i mean if they're going to function that way they have to put those th- kinds of things in those company policies where oh yeah i mean hey we have it written right here um uh, we don't mistreat people on the job okay fine then go with that and use that company policy in such a manner that you are not mistreated now you i've been in a situation where um I have used that along with the Constitution so that I was not mistreated, but another non-white person, and I'm, you know, attempting to guide them along the way, but um, their use of language was just atrocious. You know, it was just atrocious. Um, And so what happened is they wound up being fired. That's happened to me on numerous occasions where they'll not mistreat one night uh, one non-white person but then they'll fire three so as best as you can make sure you are the one non-white person in that organization that uses the tools that you have company policy the constitution whatever the case may be so that you are not mistreated um I hate to say this, but, I mean, you can't save everybody. I hate to say that, but it's true. Uh, Help people as much as you possibly can, but if they're not catching on, you know what's coming next. You know, and I've hated to see people walked out by security or not allowed to enter the building and things of that nature, but it is going to happen. The white people who practice racism and white supremacy work off percentages. So, I mean, if they can not mistreat 20 million non-white people, but at the same time ramp up their mistreatment of 70 million non-white people, they will do that. And it'll look as though to us that Oh, this white person is a quote unquote good person because they are not mistreating me. But at the same time, they are not mistreating you. They are mistreating 10 more. So just keep that in mind as you go through your daily routines. Make your language scientific. You know, it, it is my suggestion. Make your actions, your behavior, your demeanor, scientific. Um, there, there are many times I've seen non-white people where we will not, or where we will respond to things that are being said or being done uh, 
by the white people who practice racism and white supremacy that we don't even need to respond to. You know, and once we respond, they catch hold of that. If you're in a situation where you don't need to respond, but you do it anyway, and once you do that, they catch hold of that, what you say and what you do. And, you know, they use that to their advantage. So just be mindful of that. And they have taught us how to do it. And we do it very well. Um, thinking that we are doing it uh, for our benefit when in actuality we're doing it for their benefit. Mr. Edward Williams, founder of counter-racism.com. Language words are very, very important, especially in a workplace context a uh, very important suggestion as well as always appreciate what reminders about the importance of policy and procedure uh said that for a long time uh, on the workplace racism program uh, make sure you have read your policy and procedure completely cover to cover uh, you do not want to have one of these situations uh, come up uh, on the job and have a problem and then you got to go read the policy and procedure for the first time you want to have already covered it where you can just have a quick refresher so you can get the exact page number and exact paragraph or what have you that pertains to your situation but that is not the time that you want to be cracking that policy and procedure for the first time uh, when you have an incident and they're talking about you know, escorting you out of the building uh, it might be a little too late then we've talked about that before as well uh, we'll come back i had one more uh, suggestion i wanted to ask from mr williams but i know we had some other folks who dialed in as well uh i think we had a caller in florida spoke up simultaneously did you have commentary you wanted to get in as well sir you should be with us yes sir can i be heard yes sir thank you very much uh glad to be back i'm glad to hear uh, your voice gus um greetings to gus the host the listeners and callers. Uh, there's been a few things that's been going on for the past couple of uh, weeks. Uh, the, the first is that I did get a new desk in the office. Uh, after a good little while of having like a uh, like an old table that I sat at, um, and I think the reason that uh, suspected racists justified this action was because I had a like a desk in the next office um, in the department. So I guess they saw fit to let that one sit there until the uh, non-white female, um, she got the position of a white person that is about to retire. So they gave the non-white person my old desk. I think I spoke on this briefly. Um, so she's sitting at this desk and the desk has more attachments to it. You know, like my desk, it was just a single desk, but the way that the desks we have, the way that they're structured is that some of them have like attachments to it. What can just be like just one desk or it can be like a U shape. You add two more pieces to it. Uh, so she's doing like the tax deeds or whatever for like when people, 
auction off uh, I guess, uh, property and whatnot. So I got my new desk uh, shipped in to match behind uh, two other desks out in my area. And one thing that was interesting was that there was, and I took a picture of this, what I'm about to describe, like there's, there's like holes in the desks of the other people. And I guess they had to uh, like customize like a, a saw hole, a drill hole in the desk of the other two desks. And like what I noticed was that I guess like um, maybe it was over the week or whatever because I know they was telling me that they was going to do this, you know, and I was, you know, okay with it or whatever. Um, but what I noticed is that, like, when I, when I looked under the desk, I was about to put my um, my wastebasket there. Like, I noticed the, the sawdust or whatever you call it was still, like, laying, like, on the desk from when they drilled a hole. Like, they didn't even, you know, didn't even uh, have any, because it's highly noticed. I know that they realized that it was there, so I think that was uh, like an adoration right there because, um, like, one thing that was interesting, like, they put a black male in a position, okay, as the new civil court director. It's kind of leading on into another one because the warden, the code name, that I gave the blonde hair woman, like she she is uh, quick to go work somewhere else, I guess. And the way that she had ended her uh, her time there, the white woman, I guess, like somewhat got. Well, I'm I, I'm gonna just say like she was another one, okay? Because it seemed like she the one in charge. She got the white man, okay, to, to come across the hallway to tell her other white woman say, hey, you know, such a success, you're just going to have to, you know, she's been, she's heard reports about you being on or something like that. You're just going to have to leave. Her last day was supposed to be on Friday, and this is like, like 2.30 on uh, Thursday afternoon, so, you know, <laughs> you know, this same white woman that was uh, wearing the same clothes, you know what I mean? Um and was making a lot of decisions, moving tables around. You know, they reduced her to somebody that was uh, crime. I won't say reduced, but uh, they just had like a dispute about her getting a lot of uh, white power too early, and the uh, other white woman wasn't going to allow that to happen. And she is saying that she was going to quit and go somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, she just, apparently, from what I heard, she ended up, you know, exiting the building, I guess. Uh, you know, now this person was replaced by a black male. And I can tell, like, the environment has been very different with him starting. And uh, I'm not sure I haven't been able to talk to him that much. But it, it looks like he's doing okay. But one thing I was that I want to share is that there's a black female that has been there for uh, for a good while, and she was, I guess, promised this position, 
by the clerk, the clerk's father, the clerk that's here now, his father promised a black female there that position. So I think this was like methodical as a racist to put the black male in that position so that he could uh, absorb the uh, absorb the knowledge and information from the black female that's in the civil area. And I think this guy knows this by male victim. So he just tried to uh, get the black female a supervisor position on two different occasions. And uh, the uh, white person has denied the black male uh, both times. So uh, that's that's all I have for now. But I have some more, but I'll share them in the up a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, thanks for allowing me to share. Appreciate that caller in Florida. Very important, uh, in my opinion, uh, that last, uh, I don't know, I guess anecdote or what have you that, that you shared, just making sure that I, I get it correct. The, the warden, uh, suspected racist female, she had a dispute with a different white woman power dispute. Uh, was this, this was the white woman who was doing the experiment before where she was wearing the same outfit to see, uh, who was going to gossip about her or what have you. And then she sent out her disclaimer that this had been an experiment that she was conducting in the workplace. Did I hear that right? That these were the two that were having a dispute. And then is it the warden that left? She, I guess, didn't like the way the things were going to go. So she decided she was going to not work there anymore. Yeah, I think what it was, yes, that, that is the same person that like the person that was doing the experiment. She was the person that ended up leaving and like her her position was replaced by the uh, black male um and i think what happened was that she wasn't i guess she wasn't coming in the work very much i don't know if she had some kind of other business she was doing but i think the term flexibility i don't know if anybody uses that term or you know i guess it could be like discretion or something like uh like she's up there with, I guess, the, you know, the big people or whatever. And she wanted to be able to use that same, I'm going to use the term white power. Um, I think that's more direct, like with the other, you know, HR and, uh, you know, clerk people on the, you know, um, administrative people. Okay. And she wasn't able to utilize the same white power status that they have. So, the other warden, the the person who does the hiring, the um, the uh, personnel lady, she uh, was opposed to her having this flexibility, I guess, and also she, she was trying to apply for another position in the other building, and and this is another thing, okay, like this is um, a major injustice, like there was a. Like, remember, I just told you the black female was denied um, the supervisor. She was also supposed to get the position that the black male has. Okay, now she was promised by the previous clerk to get this civil court director position. But a white person in the other building was uh, given his position as promised by the clerk the same way. But the black female wasn't. Um, you know, given what she was promised. So uh, this was this was reported to me by 
a uh, a black female as well. So I looked at and contrasted those two things. But the the white woman in a in the other white woman in human resources had a dispute about her being uh, able to do certain things that the other white people were doing. And she was like, no, well, you're not coming into work, so uh, I don't think she should be able to do it. I think she possibly was jealous because, you know, she's young and stuff like that. And the other two white guys, I guess, I don't know, maybe they was attracted to her or something. Um, so, you know, maybe she was, you know, showing some envy. But she just pretty much exited but they were telling me she was crying, walking around the office. And I know um, y'all talked about the uh, weeping white woman. And it was on heavy effect that day, I heard. So, yeah, that's what ended up happening to the um, the war. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> those, uh, those disputes in the workplace, uh, when it's between whites, I would say uh, one of the best things that non-white people can do uh, is just stand back and try not to get involved so that you do not become what they call collateral damage. Uh, if any racists in the environment are having some sort of dispute and certainly don't get sucked into thinking that, oh, this is the good white one. I'm going to root for Jane uh, in this one. Certainly do not get trapped into that way of uh, thinking. But for the black female, I mean, this happens. Uh, talk about cliche uh, all the time uh, where a black person, female or male, gets promised a position. Oh, yeah. When Chuck retires, you know, he's about to leave next year. That'll be your spot. Be thinking that office is going to be yours this time next year. You'll be sitting there. And then that time rolls around and no, they go some pick a whole different person and they'll have 8,000 excuses. Uh, there was a, a paper clip and it was covering the application that uh, Jim over here put in. And it was just so great that we just couldn't deny him. And, you know, you'll get your turn. Just just be patient. Sorry. that They'll have 50,000 excuses uh, as to why and in this case to deny her. And then give it to a black male, uh, same type of thing where you can end up having conflict between them when neither one of them is in charge. And you see that when you continue with the story where the black male recognizing the incorrectness of all of this, trying to do right uh, from his weak position, uh, even though it sounded like he was in some sort of supervisor or manager position. Uh, trying to say, well, hey, let me see if I can get her another spot. Let me see if I can get her this supervisor spot. And then consistently. Other whites, more powerful white people come in, denied, denied. No, you're not going to do that. That's the system of white supremacy. And again, uh, it is frustrating. It is incorrect. But I think when you you know understand these type of things, you're not surprised. They can help a lot in not being stunned. You understand why these sort of things happen. If anything, you expect these type of things to happen on the job. Predictable, very, very predictable in all of their tackiness uh just like with the sawdust thing that you started out with uh with the whole move that's another one uh, i have a difficult time imagining if it had been the warden or any other white person in the court facility and they got a brand new desk or whatever other uh carpentry work had to be done on the office area and they have you know a pile of debris from all of this construction and moving stuff around and they don't clean it up at all. Just leave all the stuff, you know, piled up. You can clean it in when you come in on Monday morning. That'll be your, your first task at 8 a.m. Clean up what, you know, what's left over from the construction. No, I think that sort of tackiness is reserved for black people uh, where just doesn't matter that much. You know, niggas shouldn't have a desk to begin with. 
other folks, uh, doubt that if you have any suggestions on what we've heard thus far uh, from what people have had to share or if you have your own situation uh, that you want to discuss, uh, feel free. Uh, number again, 641-715-3640, code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I can only imagine environment where a white woman is weeping leaves her job and gets replaced by a black male wow wow uh other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh line should be open if we haven't heard from you feel free may i be heard yes sir um uh greetings to everybody listening uh greetings gus and welcome back um just a, a couple of things uh, dealing with my workplace. I wanted to get a little bit of feedback on it. Um, I work with executives in my company. It's a major company, like, uh, you know, one of those big ones out here in New York. And uh, I basically had an encounter today that, uh, well, yesterday, that's leading to some strange issues coming up today and tomorrow. Um, that happened today and tomorrow. Uh, basically, I was working with an executive. I deal with technology, so I was handling his technology. We are aware in our company that there are flaws and errors with technology, but this client, and I may say he's not a regular Euro-American white male. He's from Britain. He's a white male from Britain and had been living in Japan. And upon seeing the issues that were going on, he began to yell while I was in the office working with him. He began to kind of cuss a little bit. Well, not a little bit, just period. Very petty and kind of cheap comments. Nothing, quote unquote, so-called derogatory towards me, but... I'm still the person that he's someone addressing in regards to his technological issues. And um, afterwards, I put my, I, while he was speaking, and I understand the, how this is viewed, but I, I just could, I, I felt comfortable because I didn't view him as a threat, even though he is an executive or anything of that nature. But I had my hands against my chest, folded, and I was listening to his complaints. And I had recently finished speaking with my manager in regards to the issues that he just brought up. So when he brought the same issues up, I, I nodded and shook my head. At the same time I did this, he stated, why are you laughing at my comments? And stated that this isn't funny, why are you laughing? I reiterated, I said to him, I'm not laughing. I'm nodding my head because I spoke with my manager about this earlier today. Now, come around today, he um, didn't make any of the appointments that we set up. And I found out through third party, he doesn't want to communicate or deal with me anymore. And tomorrow I'll be meeting with my director and the head of my department in regards to this gentleman, gentleman's transfer. Now, what it seems like to me, but I've basically deducted from it is that I don't think he feels comfortable with my presence around him. 
And I think also him raising his voice and yelling and screaming and cursing is, I'm 110% sure, against the code of conduct within the company and could probably cause him to get into issues. So he's requested that I'm removed from working with him for the time being while he's getting antiquated and set up in the office. Um, I'm just trying to see basically right now where I stand and probably some of the best methods to deal with. I mean, I've followed every single protocol. I haven't done anything wrong, but again, this is racism, white supremacy, anything could happen. So I'm trying to basically see what avenues I could work with from where I stand right now. I'll mute my line. Did they give you an explanation as to, you know, you did this wrong or this is what you should have done. This is what you uh, did do, but this is what you should have done. This is what you should not have done. Did they give you anything that explicit? Well, there, there was uh, uh, an extension cord that he requested. The extension cord that he requested, I could not install for him because he was currently working. So it was, understood that we were not going to do that because it would disconnect him from all his devices. And this was a, not an extension cord that was mandatory. It was an extra one so that he could actually charge his mobile devices. Nothing of the sort. But in the email I received, that was the only complaint that he did not receive this quote-unquote extension cord at a prompt time. Okay. That this is one of those I think I would want explicit in terms of, you know, if I'm supposed to understand if I did something incorrect here because this this seems like a a punishment to me. Um yeah, what did I do incorrect? What should I have done? Uh, I would want that like explained. I think this is just another one the system of white supremacy where uh just the practice of racism white supremacy you being in a meeting, being confident, speaking with this person, white man, speaking with him, where just smiling to yourself, like, oh, yep, yeah, already we're on that problem. Talked about that today. Somehow gets construed as who is this, you know, uppity Negro. I don't even want him on the team anymore. However else it, you know, was worded uh, that this was a problem. You did something incorrect or, yeah, it would be better if you're not in association while he's getting acclimated. Um I guess do folks have suggestions on on how they would proceed with this? Like, is there a meeting pending, or or what what is the status? I guess the the request to have you not in contact while he's getting acclimated. Like, what what is the status moving forward of this? Um, at the present time, I will be I won't be working with him anymore. Mm. Again, I personally I don't mind that. I don't have any issue with it. I have hundreds of clients that I've dealt with that are on his level that have no issue with me that have sent rave remarks and rave reviews about my quote unquote service in regards to their technology. So he's one of, I mean, basically almost standing by himself quite literally, but um, it's a scenario where I don't want to get into a situation where I'm, I'm having my reputation tarnished and then before I know it, I should start looking for another job because other things, this never turns out to be just one thing. It, one thing, it turns out to be multiple 
sorts of things where it starts to add up. And if this man doesn't like me and he ha- he literally answers to the CEO of the company, I'm pretty sure he'll find a way to make sure that I'm not around so that his quote unquote longevity isn't in threat because I'm 110% sure speaking the way and tone and way that he did in the room with me is highly inappropriate. And he could get written up if not reprimanded for that as well. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, everyone. Um, I wanted to comment on your situation just really quickly. Number one, I think when you go to the meeting, I don't think you should talk. Um, Like, definitely just wait and see all that they have to say first. Like, never make the first statement, ask the first question. Just literally, like, no matter how long the silence is, wait for them to break it. Um, I would steer clear of like any emotional words in the meeting that you're going to have tomorrow. Um, I'm not so sure that you could feel confident that his use of like cursing and stuff like that would actually get him in trouble at all. Um, white people in corporate environments do that a lot amongst each other. And so you would kind like, I don't know. I mean, personally, Mm -hmm. I worked at an office. Um, where that's all they did in front of me, around me all the time. They were um, extremely foul-mouthed. So that's like their way. That's from my observation. I could be incorrect. Maybe he would get, you know, it would be like look bad on him or it could just look bad on you that you are even mentioning it because I'm not so sure that's really a big deal to them. Um, I would, I wouldn't say like, like I totally understand like when there's someone difficult, uh, being like, well, I don't want to work with them anyway, because whatever. But someone being able to just remove you from what you're supposed to do because they have some kind of petty, trite issue with you, um, I think if it was the other way around, would not work. It's really only working because you're black, which I think is problematic, um, or non-white, uh, which I, I really do think is problematic. Um, even though, you know, it might smooth it over for now, I think it could, especially if he is answering directly to the CEO. Like, I would at this point be expecting that the minute he has an opportunity to speak with the CEO, my name would be coming out of this man's mouth um, talking about whatever. Now, that's not to, like, cause any alarm, but I definitely would be on uh, high alert for, like, any movement at all because that just doesn't seem – it's incorrect, number one. Um, and it seems like it could get really sticky really fast. Either way, some damage has already been done. Because if it was just like, okay, that person's just a difficult person to deal with, no email would have been sent to you, no meeting would be scheduled, you know, those kinds of things. And the fact that they were in writing, it wasn't like someone just knocked on the door like, hey, you know, let's chat tomorrow type of thing. It's like in writing already. And, oh, before I forget, um, write down everything that you can remember, I think would be um, very constructive, like specifically all that you can remember, um, it, the way that it happened, uh, just for your own, you know, so when you go to sleep, you don't forget things. Um, but definitely, I think the most important thing, like draw in the meeting, don't speak first, don't get emotional, um, just ask questions and get as much information as you can, because he seems sticky and messy um, already causing an issue for you, and he's new. That's all. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you it. very much, Chris. 
Go ahead. Appreciate that, Emmy. Uh, any other folks who dialed in with a hand up have uh, suggestions, <clears throat> excuse me, suggestions uh, for our caller dealing with this situation, I guess, uh, where he's been accused or however it is maligned uh, for his conduct with this suspected racist white man. I'm sorry, one more thing. Record your meeting tomorrow. Like, just hit record on your phone and stick it in your pocket or something. That's all. I have something to add. Yes, ma'am. Um, I would just, uh, the only thing I definitely uh, agree with what Emmy said, but I would also just confirm, like, um, the black male said, he said he's pretty sure that the cursing is not, you know, that type of behavior, I'm sure, um, especially if it's a business environment, they usually have some type of, um, I don't want to say code of conduct, but it might even be that. But I would just double check in the policies and procedures, not so much necessarily to um, be um, combative in the meeting, but to maybe softly bring it up by, you know, like I see on page such and such or under this portion, you know, these are, this is not necessarily um, seems to, um, I guess, um, exude the uh, business's values. So maybe something along those lines to just bring it back to, this doesn't really seem like this falls in line with the business's values and views and uh, beliefs, what have you. Um, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Appreciate that. Red in Nevada. Uh, we have any other folks who had uh, suggestions uh, for our mail caller? I guess also uh, if you could update us, I've said or used to say that way back when we were on weekly, uh, if you could give us the update, right? So uh, not just our mail caller right now, but folks in general, if you call in for workplace racism, you have a situation, if you could chime back in and give us the update, that is awesome because it helps us refine as we proceed, right? So we get to hear uh, if you dialed in, you use some of the suggestions, we get to hear what works, what doesn't. If you call in, these folks are talking crazy. I have a brain. I can come up with my own solutions. Great. Let's hear what you implemented. That is extremely helpful. So give us the update if you do call in to present a scenario. Uh, do we have any other folks who had suggestions for our mail caller before we move forward? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. <clears throat> uh, I believe the uh, gentleman said that he was uh, in New York, and I did look up whether or not New York is a one-party consent state. I'm a big fan of wherever you are employed, looking up and determining what is the um, the law regarding recording conversations um, in the workplace. And New York is a one-party consent state, <clears throat> so you may record freely and have a um, the device uh, discreetly. Uh, also, um, what does promptly mean regarding um, whatever it was that was received? That question is more rhetorical, but <clears throat> for someone to to begin to malign you about some sort of process or procedure, but not enumerate anything in terms of value, amount of minutes, days, and things like that, but just use a general word such as promptly, that, that gets into the territory of, you know, a person's emotional state and, and feelings, which in business terms is... <clears throat> Anywhere you find business is not generally accepted. So um, I, I strongly suspect this person is practicing 
uh, racism, but just be just be um, um, aware that when you go into this to this meeting, to be sharp um, and pay attention to uh, the emotional language that may be coming out because it will not be descriptive, it will be uh, vague and ambiguous possibly, um, and it, and it will not. Uh, it will not really coincide with the policies procedure. It will just it will coincide with that person's emotional state. And, you know, we're in the business of, or when I say we, if you're an employee, according to policy procedures, <coughs> um, excuse me, um, your work is about the, the company and not necessarily managing another person's emotional state. Um, so that's, that's just a suggestion that I have. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <clears throat> uh, did we have any other suggestions uh, for our caller with this meeting tomorrow? I did. I guess want to make sure I said really quick as well. I think those situations where you have a racist suspect and they kind of lose their temper on the job <clears throat> in a situation where they would normally kind of keep their composure or would be expected to keep their uh, composure, even though I totally think what Emmy said is logical about whites and, and having their outbursts uh, on the job and cursing and that not being something that generally a white person is going to get a major reprimand for anything. But uh, it would not surprise me in a situation where a white person has lost their temper and been cursing and that sort of thing for them to come and make really strong accusations to kind of justify that kind of be like, well, maybe mm -hmm. I did get upset or maybe I was a little angry, but it was only because my gosh, you know, the savage, that's what I just being leery wouldn't totally surprise me. Uh, if he went in saying, Oh man, I'm going to have to justify, you know, I was cursing and, and that sort of thing. I'm going to have to go in and really paint a picture, uh, to explain why this happened and why I don't even want him around in the, uh, work environment. Uh, Oh, was gosh, man. I, um, yes, yes, sir. Yeah. I, I wanted to expound on what you're saying. That, that is exactly what one of the things in this meeting is that we, this, his client migrated from Japan and um, in Japan, he was the number two in Japan. So coming here, I feel like, well, I don't feel like this is what basically is going on. Our structure in our company is not conducive to internal transfers from other companies. It's very flawed. Many, I mean, a hundred issues can happen within the transfer and it happens all the time. This man is quote unquote the quote unquote guinea pig in this scenario where they're trying to figure out what exactly go went wrong and how did it go wrong and how can we fix it. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I could say that is essentially gonna, going to come up within the meeting. But there's definitely a racial undertone because I could tell that he understood that I'm listening to him, I'm paying attention to him, and if he doesn't communicate properly, properly to me, I did ask him to reiterate questions and I saw the frustration on his face every time I did because he wasn't precise. Um, language is important in, our, in my field. And if you're not expressing yourself properly, I'll ask you to repeat yourself again. And I don't think he wanted any quote unquote non-white telling him, hey, you're not using the words properly or you're not doing this wrong right. And that's what kind of, I think, built up to what, where I am right now. Mm. 
Wow. It wouldn't surprise me if there's been some <clears throat> talk. We talked about this for years as well. Uh, racist man, racist woman, racist child. They network extremely well. It wouldn't surprise me if some of your uh, white colleagues and this individual have been chatting uh, in the build up to the meeting tomorrow. Probably that sort of thing happens a lot, but uh, would not surprise me as well. Exactly what you're what you're saying. Who is this Negro to be in here questioning me like this anyway, especially to question me and tell me that I'm not being precise with my words like, oh, my gosh, uh, I can. Yes, just more information, getting a better understanding of, of you know, what what the situation uh, that you're dealing with. If you go in and you're calm tomorrow, exactly as Emmy suggested, extremely calm, extremely composed. You let them present you know, what the problem is, what you did wrong or what, however they're you know going to lead the situation. I suspect if you're calm and composed tomorrow, he could lose his composure again. Uh, if you know you're going over what happened and and reviewing things, you're not getting upset. You're asking questions and just being composed in how things go down. It would not surprise me if he gets irate uh, again tomorrow in the meeting if he's going to be present for it. But uh, other suggestions uh, that people have uh, for a mail caller here? Yeah, can I be heard, Joe? <clears throat> yes, sir. Yeah, I've, I've, I went through that similarly, I think about three years ago. I remember I had a white coworker. Um, I think this was back in 2015, you know, that was uh, screaming and cursing and yelling. One thing I didn't do and, and you should never do is retaliate by getting on their level. Don't scream, yell and curse back at them because what will happen is all the whites will go in there and say, yep, uh, after uh, 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 that person says something, he, he, he yelled right back. So if you didn't, I didn't hear everything, but if you didn't curse, that's good. That'll work in your favor. But I understand how white folks are. What the, when I, and I've seen this for years when uh, when it's a black person versus a white person. And you got to remember, everybody at the top is probably all white is that they're going to take up for that white person because I remember that uh, went in front of human resources and they made um, every excuse for that, for that white person. You know, they didn't do anything about it. You know, when I, first thing I did was I emailed when, for, if you ever yelled at a verbal, that's verbal abuse. If you're ever yelled at, that's that's almost like workplace bullying, you know, but it's still racism, white supremacy, email, human resources. You want to have that in writing and document because, see, once somebody that has power over you starts yelling, you want to make sure it's in writing that there's a problem because these problems usually go through a chain reaction because one problem will lead to another, to another, to another. Um, you want to have that in writing. And when I, when I went through three years ago and the, 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 the finding for human resources was I wouldn't surprise all the white people colluded and took up for that white woman. You know, I, I was expecting it. They, they were saying, they was making me feel like I did something wrong, but and, and they was making me, they said that, um, it was my fault. I said, see, I, I, that's exactly what I thought would happen. You know, I said, I'm not going to push this anymore. But and then later, you know, three years later, something else came up. And then I had to go back to that same, 
you know, argue it again. And see, this is how white people practice racism. And this is what I've learned. The number one way white people practice racism to you on the job is they lie to you. Yeah, you know, and when white people say stuff to me, you know, I get suspicious. Half the stuff that comes out of white people's mouths on the job is a lie, and the other half isn't true. You know, that's how they, they practice. They tell you one thing, and then they want to do something else, you know, and, and then, you know, they, they they try to deceive you, you know, that way. And... um I think that's all I have for right now. Primary weapon uh, of the racist white supremacist is deception. Uh, for our mail caller, if you could give us the update uh, on what transpires at the meeting tomorrow, we'll be back next week for workplace racism, uh, hopefully. Uh, give us the update uh, to see what goes down. That would be awesome uh, to hear how it goes. Um, I want to make sure we don't miss uh, any of the folks who dialed in uh, people we've not heard from at all. I know Emmy uh, just dialed in to give suggestions. Did you have uh, your own personal situation, workplace racism that you wanted to address or were you just calling to give suggestions? You still with us, Emmy? Or did I, you? Oh, okay. Yes. Can can, I, yes, ma'am. Um, minutes and then I'll just chime back in and share. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Thank you. For sure. Uh, any other folks that we missed completely? Uh, if you have a hand up, uh, you had commentary to share. If we've not heard from you at all, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. This is uh, HV. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to everyone else. Um, I just wanted to um, address like three things quickly. Um, as far as the last caller, it seemed like he said that um, a co-worker, a white male, he was asking him to, to bring him an extra cord and something about installation, an extra cord for him to, to um, plug up his mobile devices. That doesn't sound like that's um, within his job description, so it seems kind of incorrect that they would be emailing him about that, so I don't know if you know he would be able to raise that whether he stays in the question lane or, you know, just address address it, you know, with, with statements as far as that's concerned. That, that's if I'm correct on that. The other thing that I wanted to say is that the um, the mail caller who works at the courthouse, the, the his coworker who got promoted, I think that was a tremendous act of, of black self-respect trying to help out the young lady who was lied to. Um, and I think it might be constructive to warn him if you can in a way that doesn't get you in any trouble, that he could be a target just for doing that. He could be a target by the whites just for trying to help out another uh, black person because they don't like that. Um, and the the last thing is I just had a question, which is um, did anybody address the, um, the, the female caller who talked about a, a trap meeting that's, that's coming up soon about whether or not she's going to stay at her job because she's up for this promotion, because I wanted to hear any suggestions that people had for, you know, such a trap meeting. So that was all. And I'll mute my line. Was that the uh, female call that was talking about? She was doing well uh, at her company and now she was experiencing some resentment. Is that the call or is that a different one? That's the same one. Oh, okay. Okay. 
uh, just suggestions on how she should uh, proceed in this environment where she's getting all this hostility and they're maybe grooming her for a promotion, how she should proceed with all that? No, when she said that she's actually going to have a meeting that's coming up and that she's very nervous about it, it's kind of like a trap meeting where they're going to where they're telling her that yeah you're up for this promotion, but we need to you know have this meeting with you first and and see how long you're going to stay here if you're going to stay here things of that nature. Got I don't it. Remembers, Got you know. it. Got it. I see. Okay, so it's suggestion or I guess tips on how you would deal uh, with the meeting in this environment, which you would be looking to say or not say uh, how you would approach the meeting. That's what you're looking for? Yes, if anyone had addressed that already. If not, if they have, I'll just go back in the archives if they haven't, because I had to step away from it. If they haven't, I'd like to hear, you know, suggestions on that if anyone has any. Got it. I don't think we got suggestions. If we do have folks uh, who have any uh, tips on that, uh, this was from, I think, like the first hour in the call. If the caller is still with us, she can certainly refresh us uh, on the details, but Lots of uh, hostility, uh, increased hostility, uh, she said, where she was doing well uh, on a project, got it handed in early, uh, and just noticed lots of white males being nasty to her. Even some of the non-white people that she worked with were also being kind of nasty and rude to her. They were grooming her and looking to uh, advance her uh, in her job because she was doing good work. But it was also coming with all this uh, extra attention and people kind of prowling around her desk and just trying to get more and more uh, information from her. And then the context of this meeting to see, you know, if she's material worthy of all this uh, promotion and attention. Uh, we have suggestions on that? Um, uh, can I be? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Uh, oh, okay. Um, if they're going to have a meeting on that, the, the what I would do is not say anything, not say much, but just um, write down what they're they're talking about, you know, and you know don't you know you don't want to set yourself up by saying I, if if it were me I would say as little as possible, you know I I, I just let them do the white folks do all the talking, and I would just say uh huh uh huh and just write you know and you know what you know hear what they have to say, but you also have to remember this that when black people get promotions and management, you are still going to be looked at as a nigger. Because I've seen black people get promotions and they don't get, want to give them any pay. The pay is the same or they give them very little pay. And this one lady that I've, um, it was a friend of mine, she got two promotions. She got, she got promoted on her first job the white folks, when the, her subordinates, the white subordinates didn't respect her. And even when she wanted to go to get help from management, you know, other whites in management, they didn't want to help her. You know, she, she had a problem with uh, white people, uh, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, what the situation was. I think they had took her keys or something, and she was looking for help from upper management how she should proceed and they they didn't give her no help. Matter of fact, they sided with the white subordinates. So, you know, if you get a job in management, I'd still be on the lookout. But if it were me and they wanted to have a meeting about that, I would say as little as possible. I would you know, I just see where they're coming from and don't play your hand. Just see where where they coming from and and, you know, take that and run with it. 
Hmm. It was a female caller who spoke. Appreciate that. It was a female caller who spoke up simultaneously. Did you have suggestions? Although I'm I'm the female caller from Wisconsin, I just I just wanted to chime in and say, um, yeah, your summation was correct, Gus. Uh, I this is a meeting that happens bi-weekly, but at this particular meeting, apparently, I'm supposed to do this interview, and apparently everybody's supposed to do this interview. But I asked around; I was just curious, you know. So I say, "Have you heard of the concept of stay interview?" And everybody's like, "No." So I'm, I'm just really curious about that. Uh, my goal was, as the gentleman said before, just to either not say much or be deceptive with what I was saying. Um, I don't really have a pra- I don't really have a problem practicing deception at the job with the white folks. Um, so that was my goal. But yeah, I'd like to hear more suggestions if anybody else has any. Any others? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Any uh, other suggestions? Our caller uh, in Wisconsin, if memory is correct. Perhaps they'll think on it uh, for a little while. We still have time left in the program. I'll check back and see if uh, folks have suggestions as we continue to proceed. I haven't had to participate in one of those type meetings before. do we have any anybody else that we missed completely? I know Emmy said uh, to make sure we get back to her. We have anybody that has a hand up that we've not heard from at all uh, who had a situation that they wanted to discuss. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I'm ready now. Thank you very much. Um, I will think more on the caller situation that just spoke. Um, I think the first thing, any meeting, all meetings, any dealings with white people, like at all, outside of a cashier situation, I just wait for them to speak. Um, One thing I was thinking about earlier when you were sharing um, is to rehearse some um, pre-written responses. Because, I mean, if if the meeting is about, like, how happy are you and stuff like that, so certain questions that typically, like, you know, they can be formulated in different ways, but are you happy? Uh, What do you like about your job? Um, are you unhappy? What don't you like about your job? What things could be improved? How, you know, things like that, like general questions. Probably even look up this type of meeting and questions that could be asked and just have some answers programmed in your mind that you can easily access to give them that are very um, clear, non-emotional, um, and rid yourself of any, like, if there's any flicker of something else. Like, that's, you know, learn, if it's a lie, be able to lie well because you practice it is what I'm saying. Um, but that's that's pretty much what I have for that situation. I'll continue to think about it to see if I have anything else. Um, I did want to comment or share, I guess, um, since, yeah. So uh, I'm in the pharmacy, and I work with a suspected um racist terrorist who has been slowly um, increasing his um, surveillance. And, you know, for me, the only, the best way that I navigate these type of environments when I'm dealing with white people is to take the scientific approach. Like uh, there was a man who spoke earlier who said that like, that's, I go in there like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. So 
I'm going to experiment in this situation. Um, I'm at liberty to do that. Like, I don't have kids or anything, so it's not like, you know, there are other people depending on me and my family so much. Um, so I would move to a different part of the pharmacy, and he would come stand over me in that part of the pharmacy. This went on for a little bit, and I was like, yeah, he is definitely micromanaging and surveillancing me. And um, I will have to say, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, perhaps I'm a little bit more confident because I'm a little less confused and a little more clear and committed and so forth. But um, he said, like, one day he was just being actually, like, downright mean and, like, fault-finding. And that's his personality. But he's very extra. And I know he's racist. Like, he'll turn all black patients away if he can. Like, if he could, he would. Um, And he tries. And, uh, but anyway, and so he mentioned something. He was like, yeah, I'm sorry if I'm mean or something. I said, no, you're not. That's exactly how you like to be. And I just looked at him and he just looked at me, not expecting me to say, you know, cause otherwise I brush it off or keep it moving. Cause I'm only there for a couple hours, but little instances like that, um, definitely can make, uh, eye contact. I think is very important. Being direct, um, is very important. Um, and whether you are, confrontational or non-confrontational white people will perceive you as confrontational just if you even make eye contact so I wouldn't even say being non-confrontational but being direct and making eye contact I don't want to get into a whole bunch of specifics just know I'm being micromanaged at the pharmacy it is what it is um that's that's um racism white supremacy so another thing when I first began um participating in the cows, I shared a story because I've made a lot of mistakes. Let me just look. Even though I thought I knew a lot, I didn't know anything. And I surely didn't know how to be codified at all. I was not uh, into logic at all. I was driven completely by my emotions um, and just full of energy and just I was going to just do great things. And so I made many, many mistakes. Um, especially because college will give you the delusion that the whole world is expecting you to share your thoughts and opinions on things because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, But then you get out into the real world and it's nothing like that. So I made many mistakes in many jobs and all of them traumatic. But there was one in particular that traumatized me in ways that even when I tried to share on the cows, I was unable to really clearly articulate it and then it turned into some type of something else, but I tried. In the short, for those, um, I graduated. I I went into a group home to work with uh, intellectually and um, disabled individuals. And um, I worked really, really hard. I gave a whole lot to that group home. One white male manager left. Another one came in. This other one that came in is a psychopath, um, a racist psychopath, and I worked really hard to become the assistant group home manager. I did. It was the worst mistake of my life. He terrorized me outside. Everything outside of full-on rape occurred in that group home, in that situation like that. Um, Constantly trying to give me gifts, make me go have wine with him, even took me to his house, and I said I didn't want to. We were supposed to do something else, but he was like, oh, I just have to run to the house. Next thing you know, I'm in his, like, den living room thing, sitting on the floor, reading to him from his favorite book, like really weird things that did never sit well with me. That took me a very, very, very long time to really deal with and be okay. 
not only that, when I finally managed, because I couldn't just quit because I needed money, so I got another gig and then put in. They wouldn't give me two weeks. They made me stay for a month. Towards the end, the terrorism uh, increased exponentially. Um, I was cussed out, all kinds of things, in front of, the, in front of um, the other people in the group home, but also just on my personal cell phone. Um, it was really, really bad to the point that he even blackmailed me because, again, I told you I made many mistakes. So I used to blog about racism. I don't know how he found my blog and would blackmail me with things that I had said in my blog. Um, like, so when I say bad, I mean as bad as it could possibly get. To, so anyway, I left, moved on, you know, and it, it really hindered me because I was three years of my life. So I never was able to use that job experience. So then I had to start all over again and just, you know, make up an excuses for what happened those three years because I couldn't tell them really what happened because, you know, it was just bad. Long story short, I also counter the negative effects of racism for myself physiologically in my body and my mind by going to the gym. And so uh, one day I'm in the gym, like maybe a week or two ago, and guess who I run into? This guy. And from his, like, I didn't have my glasses on, so I just knew it was him. And the way he whole reacted, he knew it was me. So didn't say anything to each other because, like, it was, like, quickly passing. We just saw each other. That was it. The next time at the gym, though, I need a piece of equipment that he's, like, really buy. And I confidently, calmly walked over there, looked him in his eyes, asked him if he was using it. Because, you know, you got to ask. You can't just take stuff. You know what I'm saying? Asked if he was using it. He said no. And I, he knew who I was. There wasn't a glitch a facial micro anything in like nothing picked up that step, you know, stepping thing and went over and did what I was doing. And you could just tell it was all over him. He's like, he'd seen a ghost and everything. Cause now I'm grown. See, back then I was a child. I didn't know. Now I'm like way better. And, uh, and the fact that I didn't have a, an emotion like or a reaction or anything. And it was almost even comical, you know, I don't know how many of y'all have really been ever terrorized by one particular white person, but I have, and I never, ever wanted to see that person again. I never knew what it would feel like, but it was cool. Um, and I knew like that moment solidified for me. I had done the work and, you know, still doing the work. I'm still learning and everything, but I'm not where I was. And I, you know how you can, when you see someone that did wrong and you can tell they know they did wrong, like you can see it. He knew it all like that. And, uh, cause I can never go back and like, you know, whatever, but back to, so anyway, there it is. Now I've also been practicing the moment that he tries to talk to me cause he's a psychopath and he will. And I will say to him very clearly, don't you ever speak to me ever again and walk off like he won't even get a chance to speak and I practice that because I know what's coming that was it now the other last thing is um I want to say like I don't know what everyone else out there is doing um but I'm getting a little more nervous about the social media I know there's so many people out here who don't have social media but for those like myself who struggle letting it go because they're funny videos and stuff like that um I'm really thinking that um, not having social media and not having a web presence in particular is very constructive. That's something I guess I'll just pose out there. Like I've even, oh, and the same woman that I spoke with, she has a LinkedIn. I was going to ask her, um, does she regret having a LinkedIn? Like, does it cause her more anxiety? Like is the anxiety that she's feeling about anonymous people checking out the LinkedIn weighing 
more or less than the benefits of having a LinkedIn? Because I'm not sure. I was getting ready to do this whole LinkedIn thing and then trash everything else so that I can make a professional space so that I can, you know, move on in my career and stuff. But social media has got to go. But I love Instagram. But I think, you know, for workplace and whatnot, like no social media. I just think it's best to just not be on it. But that's all. And I really do thank you all for letting me share my story with you. Who doesn't love Instagram? Mm. Uh, practicing what you're going to say is extremely important. I think that can be a great aspect of codification, especially for uh, the workplace. Uh, and just in terms of going over, we talked about this before, we talked about this uh, sexual harassment, speaking of, uh, in terms of just practicing what you're going to say. If someone is doing any unwanted touching, that sort of thing, practicing if someone is sitting too close to you, any of the things that we dealt with, just practicing it so you can get comfortable saying it in your voice, the tone that you want. It'll roll off the tongue, uh, as they say. Also, uh, thank you to Emmy uh, for sharing. Uh, as I've said, some of the some of the subject matter for workplace racism is extraordinarily unpleasant. Uh, talking about situations where we were traumatized that you know may have affected us for years may still be uh, having an impact on us. Uh, but I think it's important uh, in terms of reflecting on our work history. I think. As you develop, as we develop our understanding of what white supremacy racism is, as we get a more accurate understanding of that, many, many things look different. Uh, I think Mr. Fuller has on the cover of his book, Many Look, But Don't See. See what? See what they're looking at. For many of us, workplace situations that we experienced years ago, maybe even months ago, would look totally different with the understanding of racism, white supremacy that we have now, and just being able to go back and process, uh, particularly any situations that were really traumatic, being able to go back, reflect, look at what we did, look at what happened to us, just make sense of it. Uh, because sometimes that's a big part of the trauma, not understanding, not being able to make sense of what happened, just being in a total state of bewilderment, uh, and pain uh, and sadness uh, and just, you know, trying to move on from it as, as best you can, not to mention, you know, for a lot of people, it's financial chaos as well with all of the, the unplanned departures from the workplace situation. Uh, Thomas in New York, uh, you should not be muted. Uh, did you have a commentary you wanted to share? Sure. You should be with us. Yes. I'm sorry. I had myself muted. Um, I, yeah, I did want to make um, some comments on what the, the gentleman who worked in New York was saying, because I've been put in a similar situation several times, um, and it just had me reflecting. Um, but I remember that when I started a, at a, a big-time accounting firm, and I mean, I was just started, and I did everything by the procedures I was told. I got the, I was working in the mail room. I got an envelope. Um, I put it on the, the desk of the secretary of the department. So either way, um, they were looking for this envelope. It happened to be his passport, and he was leaving the country, and it's turned into, like, this big thing. And um, either way, um, she's looking on his desk for the, the package, and I left it on her desk. So for he had to get a whole new passport, expedited and everything, and it's and then it turned out the whole time it was on her desk. So I didn't get in trouble for that. But um, um, I was, you know, uh, spoke to very negatively uh, by the white person 
and apologize to afterwards. Uh, you know, it's just a big mistake by his white secretary. Um, now, in the this the, the situation that stuck out with, with like I had this um other job where I was doing facilities at a law firm, and um this guy wanted us to you know we had to hang up pictures as part of our job. So when someone's moved to an office, they would bring all their pictures, and it was someone from the UK office. And he was a big time partner. Now, um, one of the things that that you know, I do understand that from the type of environment that he claimed. Um, I mean, not claimed, but uh, that he said he works in. Um, that it does. Some people are above that policy. Um, I mean, um, on a broader scale, they're bringing in money for the company. They're, you know, they could get away with pretty much murder. Um, and, and um. This was someone that was one of those people. And um, he yelled and cursed at us because we were measuring using the American system of measurement, and he wanted his pictures hung using the British standard of measurement. And we don't have those type of rules and things, so we had to call the boss. And, I mean, he cursed out the big boss. So, you know, when he left, um, they, you know, went and got some of these tools, and we had to use them, and the big boss looked over us, and, of course, he was embarrassed. He got cursed out, so he spent the whole time cursing us out while we were doing it, and we're using a system of measurement that we're not necessarily used to using. But, um, I, you know, I just wish you luck. Neither time did I get fired, um, but it did turn into a meeting. And um, these meetings, you know, they could go either way because one of the lawyers in New York is they could fire you for anything. As for any man, I heard her story, and I just felt, you know, heartfelt. Because, um, you know, she still harbors such, you know, um, feelings toward that story. And I think that a lot of times when we're uh, traumatized, we, we blame ourselves for putting ourselves into those situations. And we, we, we hold on to that trauma instead of forgiving ourselves, you know, maybe for putting ourselves in situations where, looking back, we wouldn't have. Um, so I just hope that um, that's something that, that by talking about it on the show, she's able to get off uh, her chest and, and feel, you know, more vindicated in that situation. Um, and and um, as for my workplace um, racism, I'll I just tell you, um, you know, one, I, I was at the hospital and there was a guy who came in and he was, um, he was high and, um, um, uncoherent, just knocked out for hours. You know, once you once you come in like that, they let you sleep off. This was a um, black male. And um, when he woke up, all he had on was his hospital again. So he wanted his clothes. And of course, you know, he did what most people do in this situation. He swore that money was stolen from his clothes. But either way, the condition they found him in, they discarded his clothes because they were um, so soiled with his um, excrement, that they became decon. So um, uh, either way, um, man, he, he started cursing and acting out. And, um, you know, they called security. And uh, it was about about 12 below. And um, they threw this guy out and um, with, with the help of the police. And um, the only thing that saved him was the... Uh, ADN, who's a white man, uh, he came and said, man, we're going to get in trouble. And um, he got them to pull the guy back in. And, um, 
you know, my shift ended at that point. So I, I didn't see what happened after that. But um, a few days later, I saw that same thing happen in Baltimore where a black male um, reported it, you know. Um, and I, I give kudos to that male because um, that's how people get treated in the, the, that hospital environment. Um, next to court, like I say, it's the most racist place you could be. Um, next to court, of course. Um, and um, at this new job, I had a white woman come up to me. And um, this lady appears to be the, the, the person in charge. This is the person you have to please. Um, she's very nasty. And um, she's very nice to me. So I was put on to the fact that being that she hired me, she's going to like me. She doesn't like the people that came before her. Anyone she hired, she likes. So she's been very nice to me so far, but I've already have my, you know, already know um, to expect it eventually. Uh, either way, um, she felt the need to come up to me and say, you know, um, I'm Irish. And um, me and you, we're like the same. You know, we both get treated bad in this country, and we were, we were um, just, you know, just treated bad by these white people. And, um, you know, you know, me and you are the same, and she just walked off. And I just thought, wow, what did she have the need to come up to me with that for, you know? Because I don't consider Irish anything other than white. But um, another thing that's sticking out to me is this job. Like I say, it's an it's a old-town accounting firm. And um, a lot of these partners are old Jews, and um, they feel the need to constantly remind you of that. Um, you know, one calls himself the Jewish pit bull, you know, because he had a meeting with Donald Trump, and he didn't back down. And, you know, I mean, it's, I'm hearing a lot of these um, them sticking to their um, biblical narrative, and it's um, quite frustrating, but I have to just, you know, deal with it. I usually don't say anything. just, mm-hmm. But um, I meet my line, Gus. I have more, but you know I'm gonna let other people get in, and um, especially from the hospital, of course. Thank you. Appreciate that, Thomas, in New York. Uh, one thing I'll I'll add there. Uh, he we heard Thomas at the beginning when he was sharing there, and he was talking about how he had an incident where he was falsely accused on the job. Some. <clears throat> suspected racist was i think getting a passport or a package or what have you and uh got lost turned out it was on his white secretary's desk the whole time but uh they came down and talked real nasty uh to him and accused him as though he stole it or sold it or whatever to buy crack or whatever the the case may be that sort of thing happens to black people all the time workplace context and otherwise uh being falsely accused and that's why i think it's so important you can do all of the correct things you can be super codified you can you know have read your policy and procedure manual three times highlighted it uh said every correct term on the job asked questions made no statements showed up you know 15 minutes early every day for the fast 15 years and still, you know, totally be thrown out where you did nothing wrong and have security, you know, toss you out on it. That happens to black people every day. Uh, I think it was stated earlier, you're just trying to minimize the likelihood of these sort of things 
happening to you uh, and one of the ways you can minimize just by understanding the environment that we're in. This is the system of white supremacy. It is designed for that sort of thing to happen. <laughs> understanding that, hey, you have individuals who practice racism. That's what they look forward to. Going, going. That is the job. Practicing white supremacy racism. Yes. How can we harm and mistreat non-white people, particularly black people today, February 15th? And then how are we going to get up and do the same thing again tomorrow, Friday, the 16th? Anybody that we missed completely have commentary that they wanted to share for workplace racism? Anybody that we missed completely? Did we nab all the callers? We didn't miss anybody. Thank goodness. Did anybody have any additional commentary they wanted to, to make sure they get in if we uh, didn't miss anyone? Abby Hurt? Abby Hurt? Go ahead, Ritten. That was Red, right? Yes. Oh, I'll be quick. Thank you very much. Um, yep. I just wanted to uh, respond back to or comment on um, the advice that the firefighter from Florida gave me. It's actually really funny that he mentioned that. The lady, and I'm sorry if I wasn't maybe as clear as possible, but the uh, the trans person, that's, that's not the person who is kind of trying to keep baiting and baiting me into a conversation I uh, actually there's an it's another white woman I actually think that she might have some type of learning disability or she's definitely very socially awkward um, for a white person so that's why I'm just I'm just going through like in my mind like how to um, actually um, you know just respond to that it's not it's it's not, um, it, it, of course, it is a little bothersome, but I'm not just a, so affected mentally by it. Um, and that's all I, I wanted to comment on. Thank you. I'll meet myself. Uh, yes, ma'am. I was just going to uh, quickly ask uh, Thomas in New York, um, if he already addressed this, I will, you know, go and listen to the archives. But if not, uh, my question was, does he, I know he said that he, is not really tripping off of them um, letting him go from his job at the hospital, but it just it's not right for him to be let go unjustly. And so I was wondering if he was interested in getting any compensation for that, whether, whether he could go through the union or contact an employment a lawyer, or if he's even interested in like going through the trouble, you know, for that. So that was what I wanted to ask, and I'll, I'll mute my line. Um, you know, that, that was my initial reaction, so I called the union headquarters, and um, I ended up being directed right back to the person who was in the meeting with me from the union, and um, she and she's the union president at the hospital, and um, her and my boss are, you know, pretty much in cahoots, because they, um, they get to split a certain bonus and they hit the union off with it. So, um, you know, pretty much she just sat there with the dumb face um, the whole time. She didn't try to help me, and that was who I was directed back to. So um, I don't think I'm going to get any um, resolution out that situation. So I just gave up on any type of legal actions or anything um, because, I, I mean, you know, you know what I'm going to say, you know, I'm, it, it, it was unjust. They could come up with another reason, you know. So um, 
I just feel like it'll be a, a waste of time. I'm just very angry at the um, manager, but it's nothing I can do about it, you know. But, um, you know, I just felt like she had it out for me ever since um, I tried to get my vacation, and I had to go through the union against her and um, had to cite the handbook, the rule book, and tell her, wait up, the rule book says we have two weeks, and um, we don't have to give you months and months advance notice you know, and, and that kind of shut her whole argument down. So um, ever since then, I don't see the, the, the management too often because I work overnight and they come in in the morning, so I usually see them when I'm punching out. But, um, you know, ever since then, I always felt uh, a sense of, you know, if I said hi, it was a, either um, ignored or it was a very, hey, you know, like real cold or nasty Prior to that, hey, how are you? You know, that all well, that changed after that date. So I just think she had it out for me. And here, I think here I come in there with a union again. She wasn't giving in this time. And my whole attitude was, well, I'm starting a new job. You know, that day, I, want, I don't want to be working, you know, overnight, especially on the day I'm supposed to have work. I want to be going there fresh and, and learn this new job, especially since that would be, you know, my main job and, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't given in either. So I probably, you know, should have, if I needed the job at that point, I knew I was starting another job. So, well, I knew I, you know, so I would have came in that day, but you know, nonetheless. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking too. I remember that incident when you were talking about how, um, you had that trouble with the, the vacation and she was doing all that and you got that uh, resolve that I figured that this was an act of retaliation from that. And I'm sorry that you're having to deal with that. And But thank you, you know, just for, you know, answering my question. And I'll mute my line. Appreciate that, HV and uh, Thomas. Uh, and that's a part of counter-racism uh, as well. I think sometimes you, you make decisions uh, about whether you know i'm gonna do this and i understand that it might have ramifications this might result in me no longer being employed there and sometimes hey that's fine i'm all right with that if you have already you know went through that in your mind and what is you know the next three years two years uh, gonna look like if i no longer have this job and i'm all right with that no problem <laughs> that's a part of counter racism too sometimes that is the best uh decision to make uh, we are winding down in the broadcast. Did we have uh, any folks that we missed, any folks who had commentary that they wanted to make sure they got in, counter-racist uh, suggestions or comments they wanted to make on anything that has been shared this evening? You should definitely speak now. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hi. Uh, this is the caller in Wisconsin. Again, I just wanted to address Emmy's question about um, LinkedIn. Uh, so, I don't have any other online presence other than LinkedIn. I don't have Twitter, Facebook, or whatever. I don't do the social media thing. I'm very leery of it because I know how it's used. Um, but I don't regret having LinkedIn. I think it is a pretty good professional tool if you are codified on it. I know there are people who use it as sort of a pseudo-Facebook where they'll, they're liking posts and, you know, linking in to people as friends rather than as professionals, uh, as fellow professionals. Um, and I would advise not to use it like that. Um, just have your, your 
you know, your resume on there, you know, keep it professional. Um, and that's it. That's, that's all I would recommend. I mean, even if people are looking at my profile anonymously, all they're seeing is the same thing that they see when they see me at work, which is just, this is my professional history. This is what it is. So that's all I had. Thank you. Really quick before you go, do you have your picture up or no picture? I do have my picture up because I was advised by a white female who was in the IT um, who was in IT consulting to do that. Um, you know, I think it hasn't really harmed me, but I think um, I've known people in IT recruiting who would, you know, who basically told me that you know they're always looking for a black female, right? So. In some cases, it helps me. I get a lot of recruiters in my inbox and things of that nature. But, I mean, I guess it would just depend on the industry or whatever. Uh, I know we don't like being a token, but at the same time, that's what we are in the system of racism and white supremacy. So, you know, it's to be expected. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. I have heard Mr. Fuller say, I think he might have said it in one of the audio segments that played before we got started this evening, uh, that under the system of white supremacy, you are going to have uh, non-white people and perhaps increasing numbers of non-white people being showcased uh, where they get great cushy jobs with a big desk uh, and a nice salary uh, and might get to hold it for a number of years. Uh, his advice was try to be one of them. So, hey, if they are going to do such a thing and they call your number, great, outstanding. Uh, see if you can hold it as long as possible. Uh, any other folks have uh, commentary, suggestions they want to make sure they share? I have a quick story. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Emmy. I will make it really quick. Um, I wanted to volunteer. So I found an organization that works with an all-black high school. It's a black organization working with an all-black high school to help them prepare for college. And um, at first I was just going to tutor specifically math and science, but also, um, you know, English and composition and whatnot. Um, but then after we conversed for a while, they asked me to hold a workshop. And today was the workshop. So I agreed, and I spent all the time between when the appointment was made and now thinking about what I would say. This morning, I went on YouTube and decided to get a bunch of little clips of um, Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. and Dr. Francis Cress-Welsing, and that's what we did today. So we spent two hours, and we talked about racism. The woman was um, caught off guard. She thought I was going to talk more about, like, why it's important to learn, but I kept thinking that is why, what I'm saying. Um, a lot of young people have, and this is an unaccredited accredited high school, so some of them didn't even realize what that meant for them. And so, you know, we talked about it, and I played the definitions, and we talked about it and had little writing segments. Long story short, I walked up feeling very nervous, um, slightly insecure, like if I did too much too fast, um, was I harsh? Um, but I felt that was the correct thing to do because I'm not so sure it would ever happen. They'd ever get that information. So I took advantage of my one opportunity. So I don't know if I'll be invited back. Um, but I appreciated being able to do it. And um, 
some of the um, students actually even hugged me and thanked me, actually for my email so they could get more information and help. I don't know what that means. Um, we'll see what happens. But the reason I'm sharing is because when I go to work or even like if I become some professional or whatever, I'll never really consider that my real, real work unless I'm doing this work. Like this is the work I really consider. And it's how I kind of keep things in balance. Like I can go deal with these white people or whatever because I really do want to establish justice. So that's it. Oh, and the last thing, um, when we were listening to Miss Cress Love speak last night, I really did not know that Dr. Uh, Welsing lost her job because of her book. I, just, I didn't know. And so when Miss um, Love talked about the stress that that had on Dr. Welsing, it made me think about my own trauma and um, made me be a little bit more gentle. You know, if a great like Dr. Welsing, it can happen to Dr. Welsing, it can happen to me. And then it made me feel even better. Like, you know, that's what it means to be in a system of white supremacy. It's not like I'm just some big person, you know, big mistakes all the time type of thing. Anyway, thank you for listening. For sure. Uh, Miss uh, Lauren Cresslove, Dr. Welsing's sister, uh, she talked about that previously, the uh, tremendous uh, injury uh, that that inflicted on Dr. Welsing, uh, her treatment at Howard. And that happened even before the ISIS papers was published, just when, you know, she had essays and was giving her talks and things about her theory of uh, white genetic annihilation, uh, and then even continued uh, in her profession uh, from her peers and her work. I mean, she took uh, her work as a psychiatrist and a physician very seriously. And to have other uh, physicians uh, not, you know, appreciate her scholarship and to scorn her, not just to not appreciate it, but to scorn and minimize her efforts, uh, how that, you know, impacted uh, Dr. Welsing, who was just a brilliant brilliant scholar uh that that is the system of racism white supremacy uh, that happens to tons and tons uh of non-white people uh for a variety of reasons in fact that happens to a lot of non-white people who are not talking about racism white supremacy at all so definitely uh but that said uh definitely want to commend uh hey, Josh. uh give me um, one second i just Tom. want to say i'm sorry uh i just okay, wanted sir. to to commend uh, Emmy for making an effort to get out and share uh, Mr. Fuller and Dr. Welsing's work uh, with young people. Uh, that is outstanding. Uh, if, you know, even a few of them uh, just planting seeds, even a few of them uh, go and do some research and, hey, who is this Dr. Welsing person? Maybe we should get, you know, her book. Go check that out. Or Mr. Fuller. I mean, that is outstanding. Uh, anytime we get an opportunity to not be spectators, to be active uh, and sharing information, counter-racist concepts with other black people. Spectacular effort. Great way, great use of time and energy. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, I was going to say, I was talking to um, NIDC um, earlier today, and um, we were both relishing in how um, uh, Miss Crest Love sounds exactly like Dr. Welsing now. It's like um, she even had that little slight laugh before she was going to make her point. It was like, I, I was, I was blown away, man. It was almost like I was talking to her herself when I was listening to her talk. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. She's staying at Dr. Welsing's house. And, uh, I have never been able to contact, uh, Miss Cresslove at her residence in Chicago, like never. 
Uh, every time that I've spoken with her for the program and off the air, I've had to call her at Dr. Welsing's residence. Uh, so it uh, it messes with me a little bit because when I dial, uh, it just pops up Dr. Welsing's uh, number. That's the name that pops up when I dial on the phone. And she does sound a lot like uh, Dr. Well, I think she even said before that their mother used to get them confused when they would call uh, because they, you know, have sound sounded similar for a lifetime. So, yeah. Uh, with that, uh, we will wrap things up. Uh, we will be here tomorrow, slowly getting back in the groove of things. The wisdom of psychopaths, Kevin Dutton, speaking of Britain, white man in Britain, uh, we left off on chapter five. Uh, it has been so long. I had to go back. Uh, I'm so glad I have the E book of wisdom of psychopaths uh because not only i'm separated from my hard book library uh, which is at my re residence which is flooded out but uh, i have the ebook copy so it's right here uh but also because i have all of my highlights uh so i can easily go back I, that's what i did today i went back and reviewed and got caught up it's like oh yeah chapter five where they were talking about taking the piss out of each other and white people again uh, when they're going out, uh, these were soldiers. Uh, they were going out for these missions to train, and they're still uh, talking about urinating uh, on one another and joking one another. Real homoerotic uh, commentary mixed in with all of the violence of the wisdom of psychopaths. But we're picking up on Chapter 6 uh, tomorrow, very beginning uh, of Chapter 6. Uh, I was thoroughly enjoying the book before the flood, so we'll be looking forward to picking back up where we left off. Uh, if you uh, have a bad memory, and don't recall everything that we talked about previously, you can visit the archives uh, and check out the last uh, session, session number four, and review what we talked about in chapter five. But Wisdom of Psychopaths, tomorrow, Friday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, as the cow slowly tries to get things back together. Uh, our, the month of our nine-year anniversary, no less, as we uh, try to recuperate. Uh, hopefully the broadcast was constructive. Uh, if you dialed in uh, to talk about your situation, if you could give us an update, that would be super appreciated. As I said, that uh, we're not just, you know, talking to waste time or commiserate, really trying to make improvements and figure out things that work to help victims of racism solve problems without creating new problems. So give us the update, dial in uh, next week or down the road and kind of let us know how things have uh, evolved so we can see, hey, these seem to be suggestions that are worth considering. Uh, with that, thanks again. Uh, you can always email untiljustice at gmail.com if you have workplace racism commentary that you would like to share. Uh, if you have suggestions, uh, complaints, gripes, whatever it is, untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to Mr. Edward Williams, founder, counter racism.com for sharing a bit of his time and energy expertise expertise with us this evening. Uh, he was also one of the folks that checked in uh, on Gus when the flood knocked us out of commission for a while to check in to see how we were doing, if he could be of assistance. Much obliged. Uh, again, thanks everyone for participating. I uh, hope it was worthy of your Thursday evening. Uh, I will recommend strongly sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. I'm very sure Dr. Welsing would co-sign on that one. Uh, Mr. Fuller, Dr. Cambon, a number of the folks uh, that we say we revere as it relates to uh, counter-racism. Uh, I think racists, they have a long global history of 
efficiently managing their system by keeping us intoxicated in a variety of ways. Uh, I think that would greatly boost our efficiency in solving this problem. Certainly, if you are going to be in a vehicle, driver, passenger, even if you're a pedestrian, you do not want to be under the influence uh, and have that be the time that Daniel Holtzclaw or any other race soldier stops you and you have to make decisions that might be life-threatening might be a good time to be sober so that you can use your brain computer to maximum efficiency. Also, if you're going to be in a vehicle, buckle up. My friend just got another ticket. I nag about this all the time on the program and non-white people that I'm around. I say this all the time. Buckle up. That's another one. That's counter-racist economics right there. They give out tickets uh, for not being buckled up. That's wasting funds that's time and energy because then they got to stop you i have been in the car when they do some of those stops where you could be sitting for 30 minutes 45 minutes just twiddling your thumbs wasting time and energy that none of us has to spare buckle up if you're going to be in a vehicle let's do every possible thing that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers very easy aspect of counter racism that we should all practice that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.